Guys, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, guys. We are live. We've got another guest today. We've got um, the popular investor, Robert Reynolds. He'll be on shortly. I've sent him a message and uh, I've sent emailed him a link, so he'll be oh, joining yeah. us. We've got another guest today. We've got... Um, the yeah, he's uh, uh, he's Robert actually Reynolds. moved recently, you said, right, I've to Spain. And, uh, have you got your, yours open? Morning, right? hear, hear the echo. Yeah, we got, um, yeah he's, uh, he's actually moved recently, you said, right, to Spain. Have you got your... Yeah, 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 yeah. What's that? That's uh, a that? that's ring. Oh, right, right, right. It's, uh, it shows you when someone's like, at, at, it's like at your front door or something. It's a video service, but what's kind of funny about ring is, uh, and it tells you not everyone knows, you know, the future, obviously, but I think, uh, they were actually going to sell out on Shark Tank to, uh, you know, billionaire investor, um, you know, that's on there, Mark Cuban, but he, they actually passed them up, pass it up. And now it's like, you know, sold, I think to Amazon, bunch, bunch of money. So you never know, like, you know, like they just passed it up and in these people, you know, they see great ideas every day. So it's the same thing with stocks. That's what we're going to be talking about. Sometimes you have a, you know, really good stock and you're the only person in it, you know, possibly talking about it might be a new stock, not getting a lot of coverage and, you know, those type of stocks, you know, sometimes it gets lonely, but uh, if you just hold out and you wait, you know, you, you'll you'll do really well, but it is interesting, don't you think? You've probably seen. Yeah, that. sure. I used to all. I used to when I started in business. I used to always watch um, the UK version of Shark Tank. It's mm. completely left my head what it's called, but um, uh, Dragons Den. That was it. Mm. I used to always watch that. To be fair, and but the thing is with uh, with Dragons Den, it gets it gets too samey. Um, I don't. I really don't watch it anymore. It really does get a little bit samey. People oh, bringing on. People asking for investment when they don't really need investment, they just need to use their head a little bit more and continue down the path they're currently going and just maybe tweak a product and just, you know, use their own brain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, if you really believe in something, then, you know, you just got to, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. And I mean, it does get them publicity and obviously it helped them, you know, on Shark Tank, but. Yeah, yeah it's, good. It's, it's good. It's good stuff. I like the good thing that does come from it, especially for televising things like that, is it gives a lot of people motivation to actually start a company and to start thinking outside the box and stuff, which is quite yeah. on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely huge. And uh, yeah, I mean, this. Oh, Rob's in the chat. Hey, Rob, I emailed you the link. So uh, if you, you got your laptop open or whatever, just go on the link and just click it and then just, just we'll bring you in whenever. Oh, here he is. It's coming in. Yeah, yeah he's ready. Yeah, he's ready. I'll add him in. I'll add him in. Hang on. Rob? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can yeah, hear you. Cool. Yeah, no, I um I was running home there and uh just as I got to the house. I think we've got a different mic though. I think we've got your other mic. Is it gone now? Uh we've got I think we might have your laptop mic, not your recording mic. Shit. So I think you can just go into settings and then camera mic and you might be able to change it. Yeah, you should be able to how about that? Mm, it's still your it's still it's still fine. Better? It still does it still does the job. Yeah. It might I be. Have a microphone. I have no idea what I'm doing, eh? <laughs> 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 oh well, let's just let's just run with it anyway. Let's just run with it. Yeah. How, how, how's the market today then? Because I'm I'm up a lot. There's a lot of greens. Yeah. It's looking good. Uranium's starting to look a little better too. He's making some changes. He's making some changes. Yeah, this week, uh, 
this week's a pretty pretty green week. You know, overall, I think we've hit some records, didn't we, Lewis? Yeah. You could just post about it. Yeah, I'll post about the S&P. The S&P's up. The S&P, again, if anyone doesn't know, top 500 companies in the US. Definitely worth starting your investment portfolio out in the S&P 500, in my opinion. Very, very, very safe. If you're outperforming the S&P, you're doing really well. Yeah. Definitely worth starting your investment portfolio. Hey, this is what you get for live. This is real. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's much better. On my noob. Is that better? Yeah, that's that's better? better. Excellent. <laughs> that's fixed. Hey, I'm growing my hair out. Some Jake uh Jake asked how long I'm gonna grow it. I'm not gonna get a trim for a while. Haven't since COVID, so it's yeah, gonna let me grow. Facebook all time high. Facebook's incredibly doing incredibly mm-hmm. well, incredibly undervalued. And even with the data leak that happened, what was it, five hundred million um, yeah, something like that. Huge data leak, it's still booming. Yeah, what do you think that is? I'm not sure. I just think people are realizing the how undervalued Facebook is. You yeah, know, they do. They do. It's a cash machine, isn't it? You know, ads and yeah, cash machine. You can create. Obviously, as as everyone knows, well, you should know. You can create your company from it. Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just think with all the all the huge tech that's out at the moment with ridiculous PEs, and you look at something like Facebook. I mean, I sold my position just to hold cash just because, you know, retail investors weren't really looking at it uh, for the upside. So it was quite stale. So I sold my position, which was like 2.5 million, I think it was, mm-hmm. in, in Facebook, just to keep some more cash around. <clears throat> I sold that along with Amazon in the short term, but I will buy back in for long term. But I wanted to hold some cash. This was, what, a few months ago, was it? Three, yeah. A few months ago? Yeah, and they've got AI, don't they? That's another thing. They're, they're looking to do AI slash... Uh, what is it? VR type stuff. VR. So Facebook own Oculus, which is one mm. of the biggest gaming, um, especially the most well-known gaming headset, VR headset that, that's on the market. And mm. in the next mm, three, four years, it's going to be huge. For sure. For sure. Sorted, Rob. Lewis, I, I have a massive like lag. I don't know why. My, I don't You're know pretty- if I'm doing this right. Um, are you watching it on stream? I, I have a big lag. Like I'm, I'm watching your oh, lips, and it's like yeah, you well, don't watch it on YouTube. You got like you five seconds, it. ten seconds ago. Right, even on Streamyard. I'm watching it from the Streamyard. Right, um, you're ten seconds behind in oh, Spain. I have a YouTube open. That's why. That's why. Uh, <laughs> that so you might have it muted, and you might have YouTube. And open then I can't hear you now, though. <laughs> no, I can't hear you if I don't have YouTube open. Right. Um, you must not have you, you, go into the camera mic settings and then just tr- and then uh mess around with the audio. I can't good. hear anything. Um, maybe I'll take that out. Maybe I'll take that out. Does that work? Uh, any good? Yeah, you sound good. We can hear you. Um, Sounds good to us. Audio mic, blue snowball speaker, communication yep. speaker default. How about now? Uh, good. Yeah, we, we can good. hear you. Good. Speaker communications, good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe if you back uh, if you speaker synthetic, how about that one? No. All right, give me one second. Sorry, guys. You can tell I'm uh, good at this stuff. Yeah, it's no, it's no, it's no problems anyway. Let me mute myself and then figure this out. Sorry, give me one second. I'll figure this out. What do you think about Rolls Royce and Aston Martin underpriced? Um, to be fair, 
Are you talking about Rolls Royce as the car manufacturer, which is now owned by BMW, or are you talking about Rolls Royce that is the you know the engine? Probably I think the engine, I think, because it's it is very very cheap. Maybe. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion. To be fair, I, I personally haven't, and I wouldn't invest in them just because they're not companies that I see. I just don't really see huge returns in the future from myself. So I haven't personally invested on no, I don't think you have, have you? No, I haven't. Sure. Uh, leave studio. Let me try it again. Let me get it. Let me get out and get back in. Robert. If he if he leaves and rejoins, it'll be better. Yeah, I think Rolls Royce, um, I do like that they're they're looking into the SMR, that part of Rolls Royce. Uh we talked a little bit about I think first episode of this, but they SMRs is small modular reactors and they're looking to basically produce clean power, clean energy with a really small footprint. It doesn't take as long to to start these uh, up. They don't have to get as many permits because it's such a small, you know, land mass that they use versus a, a big nuclear power plant will take up a lot. And these things are, will be portable uh, and they're a lot safer than, than the nuclear reactors that we've seen, you know, built in the past. So I do like that aspect. They're looking to uh, ramp that up and, and get that going. So I, I do like that part of uh, of the company. You know, it's an old company. Uh, we we dealt with them in the U.S. Coast Guard. They they built a lot of our boats and engines. They were always top notch stuff. So uh, I think if the company can definitely change into like you know this new kind of sector area that it's trying to explore into, you know, they could be one of the leaders in it because I mean a lot of people would trust them because I mean that's a lot of responsibility, don't you think, Lewis? Yeah, they've got a great brand name. Yeah, as well, Rob. Fixed. Sorry, yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, Ten we're in. Set up. No, uh, sorry about that, guys. Who are you talking about? Oh, we, someone, asked, someone asked a question about Rolls Royce and what we thought about it, and uh, he was just talking about the SMR factor that they yeah. have involved. Um, I personally haven't got any shares in. I don't think uh, you know Derek has. I'm not sure. Yeah. You have no, I, 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 I pretty much focused on uranium mining when I looked at. So I didn't initially want to invest in uranium mining at all. But back in, I think it was 2016, you had the Paris Agreement. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty clear that regulation was going to move towards zero emission. And when I looked at it anyway, you had all like you had solar, you had wind, you had hydroelectric. Hydroelectric's baseload energy, but solar and wind rely heavily on battery tech. And we just don't have the battery technology to store enough energy for like months at a time. So I felt like nuclear energy was the best place to go. But when I looked at all these nuclear companies... They're pretty much at the mercy of uranium miners. And I was yeah. like, I started focusing there. And then there's sort of like, and the problem I made, so I'm, I'm invested in uranium mining now since 2017, early 2017. Mm -hmm. And the problem I made was I, I'm looking at uranium mining and uh, looking from a supply side deficit. And I was that's my only focus. That was my reason to get long. Mm. And what I didn't sort of factor in was the demand side effect from Fukushima. Yeah, And so like, if Fukushima never happened, nuclear comes back online super fast or it stays online mm -hmm. and that deficit ramps up. And that's essentially why I got involved. But I never got out of it anyway, because I felt like, look, it, it's sort of like a zero sum game. Mm -hmm. If we're going to get if we're going to move to a digital world, the only baseload energy that we have that's consistent. And you can see it with California. Forget about what happened in um, mm -hmm. Texas. But in California, they just brought back on four old aging natural gas power plants yep. that they had decommissioned. And the reason they don't is because they're experiencing a lot of blackouts. And I thought mm -hmm. when that happened, I'm like, okay, 
natural gas is fairly clean, but nuclear is getting safer and safer, and we just don't have enough uranium. So I don't know about Rolls-Royce. I, I, we had a conversation before, Lewis, about Rolls-Royce. Mm -hmm. I looked into it briefly, and, I, yeah, I mean, their nuclear business is attractive, but they also have a lot of baggage. You know, I think it's been that yeah. awful create value. It would be interesting. But mm -hmm. they have an awful lot of baggage too. You've got a lot of debt, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and people get confused with Rolls-Royce and obviously Rolls-Royce that's owned by BMW, so the car side and the engine side. People yeah. seem to get a bit confused. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you own do you own any um any offshore wind uh stocks or or anything like that in terms of yeah i don't wind. i was talking to jay you guys know jay anyway jay told me to look at, at offshore wind and i looked at a couple of them i i found a company that actually supplies the propeller the, the sort of propellers for these right. mm -hmm. and so jay was saying like the innovation that's happening in wind is these propellers are getting longer and longer and they're generating more and more energy and so it's definitely something i was interested in but um I never got any further because when I was looking at them, they went so far so quick. I was like, mm -hmm. let's wait for five or six months, see if it goes sideways. You know, valuation catches up and it might be more interesting. We might I'll be there at the moment. Experience but. From, from the the uh, the wind side being out there in the ocean, uh, I haven't looked too much into specifically offshore, but I do know with I work with the Coast Guard and messing with the NOAA sauna buoys there's thousands of miles off the coast and it's a lot of maintenance and also yeah. when when you're producing power that far you lose most of your power by just trying to get it back to the grid so yeah you know what i mean it's very yeah. it's, it's very not cost effective in my eyes um i, I think I, it's great that there's other alternatives but don't, don't you think it's not very not as cost effective as say building a brand new little smr yeah. that could you know, I, I felt cheap. like when i was looking at like so I looked at the electrical grid, like everybody was focused on Tesla. Uh, you know, everyone thinks Tesla has only sort of come to the forefront in the last year, but for years, there's been fanboys around Tesla. And Tesla's electric car company, it doesn't solve the electrical problem. Like when I say electrical problem, that's just the transfer of energy, but it doesn't fall, solve the energy problem. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the electrical grid, that's where I felt like most of the opportunity was. And so like, as you were saying there, the problem is like transferring this energy. In order to transfer energy long distance, so if you've got wind offshore, you need you need sort of is it low density um, mm -hmm. conductive metals like aluminium. Yep, aluminium's miners are probably a better play. And if you look at Alcoa, it's absolutely screaming. Mm -hmm. So you've got a shortage of beer cans. Everybody's getting drunk all year, and now you've got a situation <laughs> where you've got to service energy to the to the grid. Yep. And so there's many different ways to play these, you know. And that's what I find really interesting about this whole move is like you don't necessarily have to buy Tesla to get exposure to that whole trend. You don't necessarily have to buy wind farms to get exposure to it. Aluminium would be a blink. fantastic play. That, that was a penny stock, sub penny, I think. I think it was under one cent. And that thing, uh, I think it's ran like 50,000% or 100, like yeah. close to it. If you, <laughs> if you count before when it was a sub penny, it's uh, yeah. insane. Um, you know, I was looking at, I was looking at that and it just, I just couldn't at the time I was like, ah, I just can't do it. I just don't really yeah. see see this you know going but it, it worked and that's like you never know with the market you know yeah yeah i to be honest like most of those companies i, I think they're like a coin flip mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't know about you guys but like there's certain companies that i feel like i you know my, my ego might be talking here but i feel like they're really really easy to predict you know like businesses that have been around for like 25 years and you can sort of measure what their long-term valuation has been and you can adjust it for liquidity and then you could look at the future forecasted growth, which someone else does for you, by the way. You know, all the all yeah. the all the analysts are putting up their numbers for 2021 and 2022. 
I use their numbers. I don't try and predict this stuff myself. I mean, there's probably like 23 analysts, 25 analysts working on the company. Mm. I take their numbers and, I, and that, that's really my bread and butter. And then I, with Uranium, I mean, I have four companies. I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've got four positions. Some of them were a little bit more speculative. I got into Fission Uranium last year. I consider that more more speculative. I'm, I'm assuming that it might be bought out. Yeah. Uh, got in on a bad there price. Though, you know, Apple yeah, I got in. So, yeah, single product, single project, but mm -hmm. it's uh, easy access uranium, and I feel like someone like Cameco will scoop in there and buy that up uh, as the as the market starts to evolve. Mm -hmm. But um, those are those are more speculative to me. But they're also like, again, maybe my ego's talking, but I felt like they were zero sum when I started investing them. I was like, you know what, <laughs> this is guaranteed money. That, that's how <laughs> I was thinking. That's how I was thinking, and the reality is completely different. But yeah. you know, the weighting in your portfolio is. Is extremely important as well. So, yeah. So how how do you how do you do the weighting? How do you how do you how how are you working the 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 weighting in your portfolio versus speculative stocks or guaranteed stocks or or stocks yeah. that have been around for more than ten years? So, like, if you take uranium, I think I invested eleven percent of my portfolio in uranium. That's the the total amount. And initially, it was only Cameco. So, mm -hmm. of the whole bunch, when I invested in it, Cameco was the only billion dollar company that. You could actually trade. I think Kazatan Prom, I don't know if it's listed, but it's very liquid if it is. So it was yeah, pretty much Cameco. I think it was a couple of billion, two and a half billion or something like that. So they had um, fantastic assets. And um, that was the one I really went heavy in. And then after that, I started looking a little bit more and I got involved in Deep Yellow mm -hmm. only because of John Borshoff. So you guys are invested in Paladine. You guys know the um, fantastic run from Paladine. Only because John Borshoff was uh, was running Deep Yellow that I get involved there. That's just that's just me betting on on the jockey. And mm -hmm. to be honest, in 2017, John Borshoff was saying, "Don't invest in uranium." Yeah, and I should have listened reason. to him. I like John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one out of every. Like you look at Amira Dani. Amira Dani is the CEO of UEC Uranium Energy Corp, and he's also the CEO of Gold Mining Gold Mining Corp. He's the he's and the developer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, massive pumper, but he's paying himself like $1.1 million and the company's doing nothing. They have like 10 yeah, staff. With a that's bunch why of I sold the stock too. I yeah, I was that. like, there's no way I can invest in a company that has no revenue and, and the CEO is taking $1.1 in compensation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all these CEOs are really pumping the market and they weren't really doing anything. And John Borshoff was like, we're going to go to Africa. We're going to buy all these perceived sort of high cost producers mm -hmm. and we're going to sit on them and we're going to wait till the market turns around. In 2017, he said it was not the time to buy. 2018, he said it wasn't the time to buy right into 2020. And then in the big crash, he's like, wait a second, we've taken so much supply offline. Now mm -hmm. it's interesting. So there's only one person that really, in my view, kind of knows where the market's going and that's John Borshoff. And that's why I bought Paladin. Mm -hmm. And then after that last year, I don't know if you guys are following John Quake on, on Twitter, but He's a he's a beast for putting out the the information on uranium. Yeah. Six hundred posts a day. What's that? <laughs> he posts about six hundred times a day. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I, like yeah. you filter through it and you're like, oh, that's interesting. And one of the posts that he done last year was on valuations. He was looking at the valuation relative to the the ounces proven ounces that each company had, mm -hmm. and the cheapest by far was Paladine. And I ended up getting into Paladine. Okay, it was up a hundred percent. I paid eight cents for it, mm -hmm. but um. Yeah, when he put that out there and he was sort of valuing the company in a different way, I'm like, Jesus, it looks cheap at eight cents. And yeah. I, right now, I think it's around 40 cents, something like that. And when I sort of work back, I'm like, this is worth over a dollar at least. And then if you actually 
try and imagine where the price of uranium is going to be. It's like, mm -hmm. Jesus, what's it worth? So I can't, that, that's, so last year I added to my holdings, I bought Paladin mm -hmm. and I bought Fission Uranium. But when I bought Fission, I paid 32 cents and went all the way down to 10 cents. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was, um, although it's doing well now, it was like, you know, you got to sit through that as well, you know? So how are you, how are you fighting with yourself to invest in other companies versus in the uranium sector, which is pretty undervalued, we think? Yeah, well, I thought it was undervalued in 2017, right? So, well, <laughs> and I went yeah. lower. So, yeah, I've got a pretty decent position right now, and it's it's up. Um, it's taken a, a decent portion of my portfolio at the moment. So, so what's stopping you from selling your other big companies and, and putting more money into it? Like, how are you, how are you stopping yourself? <clears throat> Do you well, know what I mean? Where's the logic? How are you balancing logic? Well, the way I look at markets is um, if you're going to make a really, 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 really good return, you, there's some degree of a guess there. Otherwise, everybody would have bought it already. Mm -hmm. So you're dealing with a percentage of information. So let's say in the uranium space, you have 50-50. You, you understand the unit economics of a specific company. You understand where the market currently is. Like in my case, it, back in 2017, I'm, I'm only focusing on supply. And in the reality was from 2017 on, there was, well, 2016 on really, there was sort of a, a decline in in um, in demand because of Fukushima, and I didn't forecast that. So if I did forecast that, I think everybody would have forecast it. Now, if you had 100% of the information, you're going to make a, not the best return because everybody's already bought it. So when I look at uranium, I think that I can make 10x return. And so I have to recognize that a part of me might be wrong or my timing might be off. I was wrong for two years, mm -hmm. sat through it. And so that, that's what prevents me is like just a long enough time in the market where, you know, you're just wrong for, for a long period of time in cases. And it's like, you know, you'll be wrong longer term, but in the near term, you could be wrong. And to offset that volatility, like, let me ask you something, Lewis. Last mm -hmm. year, you had a big windfall. What would you do if you were down 30 to 40% of your total net worth? You'd be... Nothing. In you wouldn't do anything. You, you're talking if I was invested, when, if I'm invested in the market and I was down 20, 30%. Yeah, like your entire net worth, though. Like I'm, I'm all, I'm every penny I have is in. I, I live frugally. Every penny I get, I put back into the market. So yeah. my entire net worth's in the market. That's why I, I very much um, kind of focus on 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 risk management as well. Mm -hmm. And because it's not that I couldn't afford a, a thirty to forty percent decline, I'd be fine with it. But I, I don't know what decisions I'd make if it did drop thirty to forty percent in a short period of time. And so Which for that reason, I'm very much trying to. What's that? It depends if you need the money, right? Because <clears throat> you don't really lose, especially if you're investing in a stock, you don't really lose. And if you don't buy or sell, if you don't sell it at that period, really mm -hmm. haven't actually well, lost anything. Well, I'll give you an example. In 2014, the Shanghai Composite, 2014, 2015, goes up massive. If you bought the top, I mean, it just dropped and stayed flat for the rest since since 2015. Right. And so, like, when you look at those type of examples, um, that, that kind of makes me a little bit worried that if I buy at the wrong time and it drops and it just stays low, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Or mm -hmm. fundamentals change or something like that. You know, like I was recently looking at XL Fleet and based on the estimates that the management gave, I was like, this is a good investment. And then the management don't meet those sort of estimates and the price crashes down to about $8 because the market's repricing the estimates. So instead of hitting $1.4 billion in 2024, they're only going to hit $650 million. But if you're buying the shares back when it was $10, $12, whatever it was, you're discounting what the estimates are. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's good value based on that. And if they don't achieve that, you're screwed. Right. And so I'm always conscious that, yeah, I'm going to take an investment right now, but I could be wrong on this. So I want to have a little bit of diversification. And as well as that, there's still a lot of companies out there. Mm -hmm. You know, last year, last year I invested in a company um, 
Jemaya. Jemaya, where everybody said it was down and out. I was looking at it. They were expecting to do revenue in 2023 of 650 million and I'm paying 650 million in equity. It seemed like a good opportunity. It went to five or 600%. Those opportunities exist everywhere. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so it's not a it's not a case that you can't have 10 or 15 positions in your portfolio to do very well. You know, that's the way I look at it anyway. And as long as I can keep beating the market, like over 10 years, like you project out 50% year on year on year, mm -hmm. you're at a lot of money at the end of, at the end of the decade. So I'm thinking like 10 years ahead as opposed to well, in the next one or two years. So you're at, like, I've got about, I've got more than 50, I've got about 15, 16% in uranium at the moment. I've got about 50% in digital assets and then the rest of it I have in equities. So that's sort of where my weightings are really distorted. So digital assets being uh, crypto, right? Yeah, I've got a couple. Yeah. Right. Right. And so like, you know, I'm happy with the returns that I made in digital assets. You know, I, I don't I don't look back and say, if all, if only I was all in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you are. I don't know. It's just the way I think about it. <laughs> I wish I was all in. Like, obviously, I wish I was all in. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, the reality is, I mean, I just have to play the hand I'm dealt with. And I, I guess it's like self-aware like I've, I've made a couple of mistakes in the past as well you're, you're invested in the s p too right am i invested in the s p yeah I, no I'm... i don't own any indexes oh right okay i, I don't I think, think that that's a bad investment either though right like for a lot of people it's the best thing that you should do right for mm -hmm. a lot of people you know like you think about it like it's a true story i, I don't know the specifics of the story but it was about this guy that worked at a gas station earning minimum wage and every month he put money into the market and I, I don't know if he bought the index or he bought the, um, the top performing companies in terms of growth. But anyway, he died with $6 million. And this is from years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, it's a big fortune. Yeah, honestly, like uh, there's a book I like. It's called 100 Baggers. And uh, why I like that book is because uh, they really go into the fundamentals of why. And they studied all the best performing stocks in the last 30, 40, 50 years. And they even go back to like the Great Depression and and a lot of those stocks, if you found good companies and they, they followed a lot of these same parameters, some of them, you know, had done, you know, crazy percentage like Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, if you invested like $10,000, it turned into hundreds of millions of dollars, you know? So, uh, I mean, these companies, you know, they're, they're probably out there, but uh, it's going to take time, you know, to, to, to get those type of gains and, and you don't get those gains without compounding what you have, like you said, putting money back into the market. If you're taking money out of the market, you get a really good trade and and you go and buy, you know, you know, a Ferrari or something and you start invest, you know, start putting money away, then it's going to pull you out of the market. A lot mm -hmm. of your, you know, a lot of those compounding gains that you could have got, you know, decades from now, they're not going to be there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I've, Go back like five years ago and a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, you should like live the dream. You can invest in day trade and mm -hmm. you make all this money. And then when you do the math, you're like, okay, so in January, you make 2%. You're at 102%. Mm -hmm. And you take 2% out to live off, right? So of your money. And then in February, you make 2%. You're back up to 102%. You take 2% out. So you're still flat. Mm -hmm. And then in March, you lose 2%. And you take 2% out. You're down 4%. Mm -hmm. And then you got to get yourself out of a hole while you're paying yourself. It's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then you got ten percent to be back where it was originally. <laughs> yeah, I, when I started, so I like this was all just a case of serendipity regarding investing for me. I just kind of got lucky. But when I started, um, I invested in a couple of real estate deals that paid out handsomely, 
ran away to Spain where it's super cheap to live. And uh, I, I took money out of my account for two years so that if I ever found myself in a hole, I, w- I wouldn't be needing the money. And right up until like a year ago, like I started YouTube, that pays out a little bit. eToro pays out 2% of your AUM and TPR and stuff like that. I never had cash flow before that. So every couple of years, I'd take money out and live off that. And that's how I, that's how I managed, mm-hmm. just living like uh, super tight, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and just let it appreciate. And um, yeah, I, I just never understood the people that like live off trading it's very very difficult mm-hmm. no what's what's your what, what's your goal rob in terms of like what do you want to like, what's your goal what, what is your goal in what monetary, sense let's say let's say wealth building or monetary value like what's the goal like what's the investment for the kids like what is it why you, why <clears throat> i think i need investing more than investing needs me to be honest um it, like I, I've got a very addictive personality and if I get focused on something, I can't stop doing it. And if I don't have that focus, I could go down the wrong route. Like, so I, I would say that, you know, I get a trill out of investing, which keeps me occupied, but I could easily go down the wrong route, you know, and, and get a trill out of partying and, and that type of stuff and completely lose it. So, you know, it keeps me, you know, I, I don't know about anybody else, but like for me, I get up every morning and I'm trying to beat myself every day. You know what I mean? And that's sort of what keeps me going and motivated. And I've never done anything. Like I used to be a football fanatic. I used to watch Sky Sky Sports News Monday to Friday for like five or six hours. I knew everybody's birthday. I knew where they went for meals at restaurants, everything. I knew what their shoe size was, knew everything about all the footballers. And then I just kind of got bored of it. And then I, you know, started investing and I still haven't got bored of it. You know, every morning I get up, I'm like, Jesus, you know, like <laughs> I went wrong on that position. Where did I go wrong? You know, <laughs> I get the whiteboard. Like that whiteboard is for practicality reasons, you know? And the thing um, is with, with investing too, you can just keep digging forever or you can just dig. Exactly. And dig. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You know, like it's, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know what life would be without it. Like I don't go out and party. You know what I mean? I'm, last drink I had was Christmas. You mm. know, it's not something that I, I typically do. I've got a very close-knit group of friends, and most of them don't live close to me because most of the people in my area have different, like, expectations. I don't know. I just like what I'm doing. I think I can become a billionaire. Yeah. I, I really it's do. I, really do. For sure. I think it's going to take me 30 years. Like, don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong. I think it's going to take me 30 years, but I think I can get there for sure. Yeah, we've, we've we've well. What's your what's your current compounding compounding rate yearly? Well, I, it's really hard to. I'll tell you, I'm up 250x over the past ten years. But it's it's hard to say because if you take out Bitcoin, you take out Binance coin, and you take out real estate, I, I, it's probably somewhere around 35, 40 percent, something like that. That's yeah, cool. I mean, eighty. I did the calculations. If you start with like a hundred thousand dollars, I believe it's around eighty six percent. Uh, in 10 years compounding, that's if you don't take any money out, it's a hundred mm. million dollars. Yeah. Have. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's, I mean, I, in the past three years, I've hit that goal 86% last year, just to mm. totally, you know, with uranium stocks, I had some stocks, uh, do 2000%. Um, yeah. I had Westwater resources do like 1800% in a week. So mm. I had like crazy yet last year was the craziest market ever, but uh, you got to keep that money in. It's the compounding, you know, year yeah. after year. It's and and it's at the very end when your account, you know, when all the stocks you're in, when they go up just, you know, say a hundred percent in the market. 
for you, that's a massive move. That's 10, 20, 30, $40 million move for you, even though the stock's doing a pretty, you know, it's still a big move for the market, but it's not a massive move, you know? So, yeah. and that comes at the very end and timing that is, is probably the, the biggest part. It's not really getting in at the bottom. It's really knowing when to sell. You know what I mean? Wh mm -hmm. When do you sell or when are you going to sell? Uh, for uranium? For, well, for any of your, any of your investments. Any like my more, holdings. Yeah. yeah, I've kind of got a, a more methodical approach. Um, so like last year, I would never have went on YouTube if I didn't go through last March. Mm -hmm. Because although I was in the market for like 11 years, you have loads of periods, like even, even the dot-com crash wasn't really a crash. You had loads mm -hmm. of sectors that were rallying. You could have rotated capital into other bull markets. Mm -hmm. Like you go back and look at Apparel for argument's sake, Ralph Lauren was up 100% while the S&P 500 is down like 35, something like that. And so even during the dot-com bubble, you didn't really have a big all-out crash. 2008 right. you did, and I started right after that. And so throughout the last decade, there's been a number of sort of crashes like 2014. You've seen the whole energy sector roll over. You had loads of phases like that 2015, biotech, pharmaceuticals. And so you never had an all out crash. And we had that in March 2020 where everything is down like 30%. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, that was a snooze fest for me because if you go back to December 2019, manufacturing indexes were in a recession. They went below 50, and so they were in contraction, which leads on to unemployment rising, which leads on to slower retail sales, which leads on to corporate uh, downgrades in terms of estimates. And I was like, all right, this is a good time to get defensive. And so in December 2019, I started getting defensive. I bought bonds, I bought utilities, and I shorted financials. That's all I done. And I was the market was up like 5% from when I, when I made that trade in December into January. And... Um, uh, and, and, and I was only up 1% and I got a, I got, I got a pretty hard time because I was massively underperforming. And then, <clears throat> and then into February, it's like, oh, we're going to go into lockdown. I didn't believe we were going into lockdown. I was like mm. in a Western uh, bottom up uh, economy. There's no way that we'll go into lockdown. Fair mm. enough. It happened in China, but it's a top down autocratic system. So I was like, there's no way in the Western uh, economy. Anyway, from December into the March lows, I was up about six to 8%. Um, I, I wasn't up massive. Some people ended up shorting airliners and all that sort of stuff. They made like 80% in like March, stuff like that. I, I certainly didn't do that. But when I went through it, I was like, all right, my, my process is fairly resilient. And so when I'm, when I approach markets, I've got a more methodical approach where if I buy a company that I perceive to be undervalued based on estimates next year and the year after, when they get to a point where I figure that they're overvalued. So if I think they're undervalued, when they get to a point where they're overvalued, I just cut ties with it. Mm. I just get rid of it and I just mm. keep rotating like that. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I, and I, over like time. I never marry a stock. Like at any second I could trade yeah. this stock, even if I've held it for five, 10 years, you know? Um, and that's usually when really it's, it's not necessarily when the market uh, it's usually has to do with management, honestly, like, because you know, a good, a good management team should be able to weather through the storms. And as we've seen with, we were talking about earlier, uranium companies, yeah, they had to do dilution, you know, with shares and reverse splits, but you know, there were 450 uranium companies uh, in the uranium bull market last time. And now there are less than, you know, 60 companies that are publicly traded. And, and a lot of that is, is somewhat, you know, management, you know, and really that's, that's, that's what I, I agree. It's, yeah. it's uh, you know, you know what happens in a bull market with mining? Mm. All of those junior miners, they're all like the vast majority of them. Like there's one that's been going around YouTube. This has been one of the ones that has been pumped and dumped on YouTube. Great Thunder Mining. Mm. 
And maybe there is gold, maybe there isn't. But if you go over and look at their investor prospectus, all they have is 10,000 acres of land in an area that might have gold. And it's being yeah. pushed as a junior miner. And they keep raising money and pushing on YouTube and, and they keep raising millions of dollars to pump into this. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're doing. They could be just paying administrative fees. I don't know. Um, but anyway, these type of miners exist everywhere where you just yeah. have land and you're like, there might be gold here. There might be uranium yeah, here. We call them moose pastures. Google. Yeah. And it's so when you go yeah, into it's literally no value a lot of times. And, yeah. yeah when you go into a big massive crash like that. When I invested in uranium, there was only 50 companies. Mm -hmm. And you could invest in any of those 50 companies because in a bear market, all of the sort of, it's like the emperor has no clothes on, you know, yeah. uh, if you got a crappy company, I mean, it's quite obvious. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I could invest in any of those 50 companies. You're going to get 450 companies again, and they're all going to be mm -hmm. junior miners promising the sun, moon and stars. They're yeah. going to go up like a thousand percent. And then once they go up like, or even 10,000%, I don't know. And then when they go up there, it's going to be like, oh, sorry, we don't have anything. Yeah. Would you, would you, would you? Would you try and sit on the, the diatribe fence of that or would you do you not get involved in that type of stuff? Not good enough. I'm just not good enough, no. you know? No. I mean, I I, I I consider myself pretty good at, at um, like using Elliot Wave and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I, I just don't consider myself... Well, I, I just don't have the patience to sit in front of the computer looking at charts all day. Mm -hmm. Do you know, Robert, do you, do, you know, do, you, do you know of any big, wealthy diatribes? No. Same. No. I do. I do. You, but you said, but yeah. I was in that kind of like for the past six, seven years in the day trading. Last, I'd say last October when I really started the YouTube thing, I kind of stopped doing the day trading. Uh, but there are some big day traders out there that that do make pretty hefty moves. But it it's like playing video games. Like, uh, you know, you got the best guys out there that are really good with, you know, you know, that are winning these tournaments, these Call of Duty tournaments. And a lot of it is skill. And a lot of it has to do with can you get in and out of the stock? Uh, it's not necessarily just being able to read the charts. It's, you know, can you literally use a hotkey to get in and out of a stock? And a lot of these guys do sometimes have a big following. So maybe sometimes these guys could be uh, getting out of a stock when other people that follow them are getting in it. So it kind of like, you know, lifts them up a little bit and then they can exit pretty high. And th these guys are using crazy margin too. So, I mean, it's, it's risky, very risky. I've no doubt there, I've no doubt there's day traders out there that are extremely wealthy that we probably never heard of. Like, look at this guy in our, um, Archegos capital. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Um, Bill Huang. No one ever heard it. Well, I'm sure they did. I mean, he was one of the tiger cubs, which were super famous, but no one knew he had 15 billion. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and he's not on the Forbes list. Yeah, so I bet you there's a bunch of people out there. That, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's strategies. I just don't think that the success rate is very high. I would say it's mm -hmm. like 99.9% yeah. .9 of people fail and 0.01 yeah. might make it. And, mm -hmm. and that's the way I would look at it. But I've, I, logically, I could come up with a strategy for day trading that, that logically sounds great until you're actually trading it. And I think that like when I started trading, like I don't like a distribution returns on, on different assets and like the daily average return, including up and down days on the S&P 500 is like two basis points over the past 70 years. Yeah. I'm like, okay, on average, I need to leverage that up like, you know, 15 times to make a reasonable return. So I got to trade futures. And, and, and at that point, I mean, you only have like 7% margin in the deal. So if it drops like on any given day, you're wiped out in one day. And so for day trading, as you said, I think you need a lot of leverage, but yeah. um, I think you need to be a tremendously skilled. Like I, I don't consider myself skilled, to be honest. I, I just do really simple stuff and it mm -hmm. works. And I, I don't really care about doing anything difficult. 
but day, like when, when you look at day trading, I consider that to be really, really, maybe not difficult, but you need a certain temperament, you yeah. know, like that's the problem. Yeah. And I just don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that patience. Yeah. yeah. One thing I do like about investing, someone was talking about property and the thing, there's so much overhead with property. And I think Lewis has mentioned it and you, you both have bought property recently, right? You know, obviously, yeah. um, it takes a lot, a lot of time. And even Jay was telling us it took, it was just such a headache closing, you know, property and just trying to get things done. Uh, that's what I love about the stock market though, is because you can be a part of this company with the click of a button. And then if you don't like it, if you don't like your house, it's going to be hard to sell it. Yeah. You know, if you find out your neighbors are totally horrible and you know, it's, it's yeah. really tough, but with stocks, you can literally get out like that and you can get out yeah. you know, still with a lot of your, your money intact, you know? Well, the, the thing about real estate though, and it's a really leveraged bet, but it's amortized over 30 years. So you're, you're more than mm -hmm. likely five times leveraged, 20% down, you borrow 80%. I mm -hmm. was able to close a property inside a month, but the only reason I was able to close it was because I was willing to pay cash for the deal and refinance after. Yeah. And mm -hmm. because I, the bank, I went into the bank, I had a chat with the bank and they're like, okay, it's, we'll be able to finance it. And I was able to close it pretty quickly. The next day they had somebody out and, and I was able to pretty much close it. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was selling property in Ireland, it took like six, seven months in order to, because we sold our property in Ireland to another company and mm. you had the bank's lawyer, you had our lawyer, and then you had the, the, the buyer's lawyer. So you had three lawyers and yeah. it was just a pain in the ass. Um, but with, um, yeah, I mean, if you've got your own, if you're able to pay cash in the deal, I mean, it's a lot, it, it can be a lot quicker, but I don't like real estate. I, I don't know about you, Lewis, but, uh, I, I just don't like dealing with people like trust. Not mm. tr it, it's not a trust issue. It's more um, an expectation issue that I have. I guess mm. my expectations are really high. You know, you put down on paper, this is what we want. And then you, you start breaking down the property and there's a problem with it. And I was like, shit, our deadline's just a month out. Mm. Shit, our budget's 10% over. And that really, that bothers the crap out of me. It goes back to what you said, Derek, is the markets are liquid. I just sit in this little office and, and nobody will bother me. And, you know, nobody will <laughs> ever know who I am. Office, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, property it's, has its benefits for sure, especially if you got, don't have much capital, you can easily, it's, it's, it's predictable. It's, you can leverage money easy. As you said, I mean, the U S has different laws to what we have. You yeah. can flip properties and without getting taxed and put it into new deals. So I watched a few property guys, as I said, last time on YouTube and in America, for creating cash and wealth at a young age is pretty, let's say, simple. Yeah. Right? I'll tell you about the deal. Like, you have to have a, the thing about America is no one's going to lend, you know, a 20 year old kid, uh, you know, $500,000, which, you know, average probably house in California that's one bedroom. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to lend a kid like that without years of, of steady income, you know, and a great credit score. So, but a 20 year old kid, can save up money, you know, $25,000 and start trading the stock market and, and really probably build wealth faster. You know what I'm saying? They like, both, yeah, they, but they both, they both have their pros and cons for sure. They both, but as you said, Rob, you have, you rely on so many different people in the property market to, to solicitors, to, to lawyers, to, to, to surveys before you listening, you know, you then got to rely on other people to do the house up before you sell it. And it is a little bit of a nightmare, but again, it's pretty much guaranteed money in my opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah, inflation's another thing is, is your, you know, the money you're borrowing now in 30 years, if inflation, we have hyperinflation, which I think 
we could start to see, you know, people didn't think that, you know, Germany would have it right, you know, after the war, but they did. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're, you know, it became worthless at, in the late twenties. So you never know, um, buying a lot of property now and then inflation goes up the money you borrowed pretty much you can pay it off a lot easier so i mean that yeah. is one plus that i do see mm. you know with with property versus stocks you know yeah the bank of international settlement on a paper on on hyperinflationary environments like in zimbabwe venezuela they included weimar republic all these different regions where they experienced like thousands of percent inflation and uh, real estate was the best performer and then commodities. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you that like the very first deal that I done, I was 20 years of age and uh, my girlfriend was 25. She's now my wife. So she was five years older than me. And I think it was because of her, we were able to get a mortgage. That one, um, we put 10,000 down. I didn't have a bean. Uh, I was a little bit wild. Um, but she, she had 10,000 and we put that down. And that in like 18 months, that returned like, I think it was 135,000. So I don't, I would never that? have been, what's that? What year was that? Just curious. Do you remember? 2011, 12. Oh, okay. That's when we bought it. So, um, yeah. And that, that so it was sovereign debt crisis in Europe. That, that's the same. She was the, the interest rate in the 10 year government bond in Ireland was like 10, 10, 12%, something like that. So the interest rates were really high. Our, our mortgage rate was, I think we were at 5.5%, something like that. Um, so anyway, I would never, like, I, that's why I say I get extremely lucky. Like you compound um, 135,000 relative to 10,000 after 10 years, consistent returns, you end up with a completely different number. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you look at, like, I'll give you an example of the deal that we just done. Like I didn't want to buy property in Spain. You can, you can rent a property for 2% of the value uh, because interest rates are, the variable rates below 1% here. So I don't know what it is in the UK, uh, Lewis, or what it is in the US, but the variable rate in Spain is below 1%. The fixed rate, I got a fixed rate loan at 1.2%. So I believe that that's probably free money in like five, six years. I think inflation well, well, probably, probably free money that. since like yesterday with the two trillion in the US was printed. <laughs> yeah, I mean like 1.2% to me fixed for 30 years yeah. is like free money. That's love. Yeah, the property that we bought, like my wife is such a shark, like she gets all the credit for this. I didn't mm -hmm. want to buy a property. And she said, we just need to go and look at this one property. <laughs> and the average price in that area was like, right, whatever. Uh, we'll go. 15 minutes. If I don't like it, we're leaving. Uh, so we went and we had a look. And I liked it because it was the top floor. It was the constructor's apartment. So it was two apartments in one. And it's overlooking San Mamed Stadium in Bilbao. So we, we're, we're overlooking the entire city. And I was like, all right, this is pretty nice. <laughs> it's nicer than I thought it was. The average renovated property in that area goes from anywhere from 350 to 400,000. And this was in bits. And w the reason my wife wanted to go and have a look at it is because uh, the property, because it was in bits, my wife's like, this is definitely inherited by somebody. And when we went and she was talking to the estate agent, the estate agent said that one of the people that inherited it was elderly and 86 years of age and sick. And so they needed to sell it quickly because the cost of changing a name in Spain is like 10,000 euros. My wife and me just like 225,000, <laughs> way below asking price. And they're like, no, 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 we can't do it. And my wife's like, all right, we'll pay you cash, 235, that's it. The next day they accepted it. So we were like 50, 60 grand in that condition below market. And so, and then of course there, there's benefits because we can write off 17,000 per year against our income. So I'll be able to save like three, 4,000 a year in taxes 
Hmm. And I bought in 50% below market. So I'll put 100,000 into it, bring it up to a standard that I really like. I don't have to put that in. We got a quote of 45 and we got a quote of 100, two completely different renovations. Um, but I'll still make money on that, but I'll, it, I'll pretty much live for free for the seven years if I, if I pay down 17 grand uh, against that loan because it'll be tax-free. And yeah. so those investments exist. If, if, we, only, if we only put 47,000 47, was the budget, so let's say it goes over 10%. Let's say it's 55,000. If we only put the minimum, the lower, the lower renovation cost in, 55,000, okay, we have to put 50,000 down to buy it, 47, I think it was. We have to put 47,000 down, 50 into renovated. You're in for 100,000. You're in for 100,000. The property is worth probably 375, 400,000. So there's a 100 grand return, in my view, in less than 12 months if we were to roll it over. Because the inventory in Spain is pretty low as well. Construction is right. completely stopped. Well, it stopped for a while. And so like I was looking at it and I'm like, for most people, this is like super, super simple. It's like addition and subtraction. That's it. Just down on a piece of paper, what I'm paying for it, how much do I need to put into it, how much houses are on, on, on for sale right now, what's the turnover, what's the inventory, and that's it. We're right, right. beside Devstow University as well, so the location is perfect. So, I, I mean, those deals exist everywhere. It's minimal speculation too, right? I mean, you're looking at sold prices that are pretty much just sold too. Yeah, I mean, like, so our mortgage on that will be 644 euros a month. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all my overhead will be. Um, and... If you think about it, we can write off. So my effective tax rate in Spain is 39.7%, so almost 40%. So if I can write down 17,000 against my taxes, 40% of that, it's almost the equivalent of my mortgage payment I'm saving in taxes. So I'll put 50,000 down and I'll live for free for the next seven years. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, mortgage yeah. is paid after seven years. It just made a lot of sense. Yeah. Deals, I think, are everywhere where you can squeeze money out of it. And most people can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then in like, okay, so 17,000, I don't think that that's a huge amount that you pay down per year. Like if you really wanted to squeeze out an extra return on your property, you know? Yeah, life's all, life's all about maths, right? At, at one point in my life, I was just addicted to just weighing everything up. Everything I'd look at, I couldn't walk around, right, without looking at anything, without looking at it as, as cost. Yeah. Well, how much is that? How much is that? Why is that there? Yeah. How did that get there? How much did it cost? I was obsessed with it. Everything was maths. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, everything talking about Pokemon, actually. Like that, that was, I was the OG Pokemon. I think 90, was it 98? I was buying Pokemon cards and trading them and selling them at school. And I, I think I traded my way, not even lying, from a, like a Diglett to a Charizard, like during that time. And it is an addictive personality. Like you guys said, I think all three of us, yeah. like knowing Lewis, like we all do have an addictive personality. And I think, that's why we guys are, we're doing an investing, you know, stock channel live. I, yeah. Now, you know? I don't know why Lewis is on YouTube. I mean, if I were you, Lewis, I, nobody would know who I am. <laughs> You've yeah. got enough to make it to a billion over the next like decade easily. Yeah. If I were you, I would not be on YouTube. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, but Lewis is opening other doors because he's, yeah, you know, no, he's, absolutely. He's I, look, lots of people are. I, I, I started YouTube like on a whim, not got to do with stocks and investing or anything like that. But the reality is that that's been more successful than anything else. And it, it's just kind of like real random. Uh, mm -hmm. I can see the value, you know, like you think about it. Like, I think we were talking about this after the podcast last time, Lewis. And, um, you know, for to build an audience, you could, you, you could build any product and sell it into it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so like. You know, if you have the audience and you have a captivated audience and you figure out what they want or need, I mean, it's a lot easier to build and, and, and set up a business. And, 
that's essentially why I built out a YouTube channel just to build an audience. My ethos was, hey, listen, one in seven people smoke. <laughs> so if one in seven people are probably traders because they're completely stressed out with all the losses they're making. So I may mm -hmm. as well help them trading and then I can help them quit smoking. <laughs> that was my ethos anyway. Um, but you've grown, you've grown for fast. Like since we last did the podcast, you was on what eighteen k or something like that. Now you're on thirty odd, thirty odd k. Yeah, thirty one, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's kind of really weird because the production quality of like it took me ten minutes. I mean, <laughs> get on a live stream. The production quality is terrible. Um, I literally sit here all day with my marker, doing some maths on my board and figuring out investment ideas. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I got to get a video out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, it's, it's kind of rushed, but at least the, the idea behind it is uh, like, I, I hope that it, it comes across as a little bit well-researched, even though the production quality is crap. It is what it is. You know, that, That's why I think people like you. Your stuff, you have the most you you when you talk about a stock you've researched it and you and the pros and the cons you're not trying to sell anything you're giving people the absolute facts you're not even just selling stocks that it, you know there's so many people trying to tell us 10x stocks you're giving mm. people people realistic numbers and mm. i'm almost sick now of seeing people trying to get like a thousand thousand x returns and stuff like that's why i always reference the smp the smp 500 is a great yeah. benchmark if you're growing your your money over 10 to 20 to 15 percent a year annually you should be happy with that 100 percent. yeah yeah I, I think so i think for most people investing investing it's a trill you know like but it's it is hard you know like mm -hmm. um i've done a lot of things that gave me a trill like i, I recently i was talking to somebody on on twitter um i i used to go to the rifle range quite a lot when i lived over in canada and uh derek i don't know maybe you fired a lot of guns before but when i used to fire a lot of rifles i fired a bunch of i don't even know what the names of them were i just knew i was firing them and uh you, you'd fire a rifle and you'd be like you, you get this trill and you're like i want to do it again i want to do it again. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you take a step back and you're like you see all these people around you and you're holding this gun after just demolishing a watermelon i was like i used to get like jesus i can't do this this is like what if like you start getting really nervous and i think some people are like that in the stock market as well where they're like shit my money's on the line and uh but for me like i i remember i like i felt like rambo honestly i was firing like semi-automatic <laughs> and then uh and then you stand up and you're, you're putting the gun down and and, and you're making sure that it's pretty safe or whatever and you look around and you're like oh my god like that's where i start to sweat and get nervous and I, I think a lot of people choke up like that in the market because initially everybody has a good run initially and then after that they just get it completely wiped out because they don't really know what they're doing and the problem is that i see it people going too heavy too early yeah you know like um I, I tell you my hair fell out in chunks i'm not joking back in mm -hmm. I used to have a di completely different strategy when I traded. Get my hair, like, right? I learned, I, yeah, I mean, I, I learned how to uh, trade like like a hedge fund, essentially. And I used to offset intersector risk. And I would be leveraged like five times, like very very similar to Archegos Capital. And so I'd look mm -hmm. at Archegos Capital, and I know exactly where it went wrong. He was taking sector risk, and he was offsetting it with, industry, with uh, market risk. And the market's so concentrated that it wasn't really offsetting any of the risk. And so the way I used to invest was I would go long, short, intersector. So the very first, when I put all my, when I sold all the real estate and put it into the market, um, I would invest long, short. So the first position that I put on was I bought Society Generale and I shorted BNP Paribas against that. 
and I'd make the margin. And I was like five times leveraged. I think the notional value of the portfolio was around $3 million. And which was like, I, you know, I was renting a place that cost 360 euros a month. Like that was huge money to me. Even today, I don't, I don't know what that is like. And um, that's essentially how I built out a portfolio. And as we got in throughout the rest of the year, I was up like 30% on a portfolio and I was doing really well. And what I started to do is I started removing my hedges. And then when we got in and I left the leverage on, and when we got, and I had a number of positions like uh, McDonald's and stuff, like not bad positions. When we got into like August, September, the bank, of, that's when I started focusing on macro because the bank of, uh, bank of China, uh, the PBOC came out and they devalued the currency. Stock market fell 12%. I went from plus 30% to zero in three days. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I just closed out of everything. I shit myself during that period because yeah. it was more money than I ever had. And uh, in a flash, in three days, I'm down 30%. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I think a lot of people sort of choke up when that happens. I certainly did initially. Yeah. And that's why I started focusing on the macro. I'm like, why on earth is McDonald's falling because of Japan, of China? You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and that's sort of what, what leads you to like, they own a lot of it. They own yeah. a lot of it. But here's the, th- the big thing is don't, especially if you're new to investing, don't, don't leverage. Don't leverage. Yeah. Don't yeah I don't leverage right now. I'm, I'm yeah, pretty much. Short. I, I, I don't short unless I'm offsetting risk, you know what I mean? And so, like, yeah. um, if you look at the decision that I made in December 2019, I was short financials, but it was more a bet on when you go into a period of a slowdown, uh, lower beta tends to outperform on the upside and the downside. And so yeah. I bought lower beta and I offset that going back to, like, how I learned portfolio management and and I went lo- I shorted financials and I bought utilities to offset the risk and I made the spread. So that was a play on buying low beta, shorting high beta, and then I owned some treasuries as well, which I thought were silly cheap at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the way I approached it. Uh, so I do short from time to time, but I only short to offset specific risk. And I'm looking for the arbitrage. And again, yeah. like what Bill Huang, the mistake that he made was he shorted the market and. When you look at the S&P 500, 22% is the top five companies, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. So you're pretty much going short a concentrated market that's focused on big tech and you're buying communications and you're buying all these different companies that are really not related. Well, and, and thing, you're, when you're short, you have unlimited loss. Down, yeah, downside. Yeah, absolutely. And when you yeah. have hundreds of billions of dollars at your, your disposal, why are you even using higher leverage, you know, to even buy assets? But obviously when you short, you have to be in margin because yeah. you could possibly pay 10,000% that spread that yeah. you shorted at. You know, if the stock goes yeah. up, we saw SPI last year run 4,000% in one day. People got destroyed on that stock because it was going to go bankrupt. They thought it was under, it was around a dollar and the, the stock in the same day ran to $40. That's a you know 4,000% move and people got, you know, their accounts got closed and they, the brokers covered and people owed millions of dollars. And these were people yeah. that just put 10, 15, $20,000 in some of them, you know, like yeah. owing hundreds of thousands. And like that to me is not, especially for a new invest, a new investor, that's one way to just wipe yourself out completely is, is trying to short the market. And it's, it's not very smart to do, you know, it's, it's like trying to go into a UFC fight and you haven't even fought before, and you're trying to go against someone. Wheel kick. Just spinning wheel yeah. kick. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's pretty much no chance. And why? Why even take that risk, right? It's like, 
Um, yeah, I, I don't like I don't like naked shorting, and and you know I just don't understand the people that are are, are constantly bashing companies like Tesla. Yeah, uh, those story stocks when when liquidity is ample, you, you just get your ass handed to you every single time, every single time, especially when there's like a big massive um, short float. Um, you know, GameStop. when it's ample liquidity, you go back to like the 1980s, and I think this is where like a lot of people, I th I think more people should should read up on on market history because if you go back to the 1980s a long short book long short book works really well because uh interest rates are much higher you know what it's i mean the so savings accounts in the 1980s in the us you could you could almost live off a savings account if you had a good amount of money like yeah i mean even even in the even in the early 1990s interest rates were high enough where you know like a company that deserved to go bankrupt went bankrupt. Yeah. And the problem is right now with interest rates at zero, you have like companies from the old world that really should go bankrupt. Mm. And we're keeping them around for the jobs without realizing that let's get rid of this piece of garbage company because we don't have any utility for it anymore in this new world. And those people will get retrained and moved into a different area. Mm. Like when I'm looking at the markets, all I can see in terms of value is in biotech and pharma. So when everybody's worried about people losing jobs in like McDonald's because it's going to be automated or driving taxis, I mean, retrain these people, like give them higher quality jobs in this new world where we focus on longevity and, and, and longer life. And this is like the next industrial revolution. Like you go back to the early 1900s mm -hmm. and we had 20 million horses. The population of horses on the planet was 20 million horses. Yep. And then a tractor comes along. And then the population drops to 5 million horses. Right. You know what I mean? And so like it completely wipes out, a, you know, 75% of a species. Yeah. Like, you never have enough customer service people. So anyone needs retraining straight into customer service. That is yeah. the backbone of every single brand. Yeah. And you know what? Like, this is a good question. And I would love you to answer how, like you have like Google's um, assistant, like that's getting better and better at like becoming a PA. How do you see that replacing it? Like, um, I don't. Because I, I, I tell you why I ask you because, like, when I go to a bar and I can speak to a human, that gives part of the experience. You know what I mean? Right. Like when you're at a restaurant, you can speak to the waitress. I mean, I don't want to go and like touch a screen on the mat. You know, like there's a bit of experience there, like live music or whatever. How do you replace that? You know, that's sort of like. But it's a I think thing. Right? Be pretty crappy if we did. You know. Yeah, it's a time it's a time thing. Obviously, it's nothing's clicking your fingers. It's one of those things that get implemented over time, and then over a certain amount of years, you kind of forget what it was like to speak to someone. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like the yeah. same with your phone. Like you well, don't even you don't even look. You used to get out a map, right? When you you'd be got, you'd be driving down, someone would be reading directions on it out on a physical map, and now you just plug your sat nav in, and you couldn't yeah. imagine any different. But if I told you back then, a map's like it's going to take me straight there, you'd be like, that's weird. Well, here's the deal, gentlemen. It's not about what we want because there's a new generation coming and they are totally different than what we are. They have total different likes, dislikes, and majority of them, they're starting to grow up through this COVID experience. And, you know, a lot of them are becoming introverts and they love the whole online thing. They're paying billions of dollars for fake, you know, NFTs, fake, you know, stats on a video game like that's the world they like you know a lot of them want to live in that world and they don't necessarily a lot of people don't want to you know be around other people you know so you got to look at that the market's changed just like you said horses totally wiped out you know the big portion of the population because they weren't needed you know a lot of these jobs a lot of these sectors might not be here in a, you know 10 15 years when 
a lot of these people, the old school people are retiring and you got this new generation coming in, you know, the, the generation yeah. still in school coming up and you really got to look at that. I think that's, these companies got to change. They got to change some stuff up. And I think Tesla's one of those, obviously that they can adapt to that. I mean, heck they bought some Bitcoin, a bunch of Bitcoin billions, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, NFTs, have you dabbled there or have you looked into it? Jay no. told us a little bit about told Jay, Jay, Jay absolutely loves them, didn't he? Loves yeah. them, yeah. Jay yeah. What do you think about NFTs? And, and from, know, the, like, from the investing aspect, or where you could see it going. I keep thinking like the dot-com era where you had like domain names that people were like, Why, you know, why would you buy a www.name for like two bucks? It just seems like a waste of, of money. And then like five, six years later, it's worth like two million bucks. And I'm like you know where's the domain name like there has to be like I, I do think they're here to stay i do think sotheby's and um all of these different auction houses are probably going to transition into it because it makes an awful lot more sense it's probably yeah. easier to track and all that type of stuff so i do think it's here to stay i'm just looking for like what's something cheap that i could buy like a novelty like a domain name or something and just sit on it for you know like 10 years and see what it's worth you know when i lived in canada just outside the town i said the story before but there was a guy that lived on a 60 million dollar compound huge compound bought by bloody domain names i'm like wow. you know imagine never lifting a finger ever 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 all you've done is just bought silly domain names and i think I where to, he made most do that do you know where you know, he bought loads of names on the porn industry that's what he done what where, yeah, where? yeah 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 naked Ooh, girls you bought, you bought or like, like all this sort of stuff yeah that's what he yeah. done he rents them out this oh, is what I used to do. I never used to, I've never selling, saying that though. I never actually sold one. So like I would watch the new TV sh- shows like Love Island and these a uh, big brother. And as soon as someone came in that was probably popular and people started to like, I would buy their domain name. I would buy things based on mm-hmm. their name. I would create pro- social media profiles based on their name. And yeah. I've got a hold of them. Like I used to buy even like bodybuildingclothing.com. I would own those domains, any mm-hmm. domain that I thought, would be worth something in the future i started hoarding them granted i've not actually sold any of them but so i thought it was quite interesting especially with the social media aspects and um and like love island stuff someone would come on with a, with a let's say a unique name i'd buy the domain and you could instantly go on google trends you could start to see traffic picking up and, and things like that on those names you could see mm. the search volume start start to increase mm. however yeah. never sold one but i know yeah people, i think yeah. you can you can get them valued and stuff like that on yeah. GoDaddy, I think you can go and get a value too. Yeah. You know, and here's the other side of it as well. Like, I, I don't know if you guys follow a guy on on YouTube. His name is Manny Koshpin. Do you know the guy? His videos just started yeah. popping. I don't know why. It's like weird YouTube algorithm. I don't really watch anyone on YouTube. I don't really have a lot of time to be honest. When I start a video, I never finish it. So I was like, I better not watch it. But anyway, <laughs> this guy Manny Koshpin posts a video about how he made like 1.9 million, no, 2.2 million dollars in like five months on a on a hypercar. I'm like, what? Mm. I got to watch this. So he bought, I think it was like some sort of Pagani or something like that for 1.9 million. And someone offered him 4.1 million, like five months later. And he made something like $12,000 a day. And I was like, you know what? You know, when, when, you, when you consider like gold is scarce and you have these hypercars where there's only like 50 of them made, that's a very, very niche market. Really, really, really niche market. There's only a couple of people that'll be able to put down like 5 million bucks. It's not even just the 5 million bucks for the hypercar. It's the the cost of, of maintaining it. Yeah. Yeah, probably cost hundreds of thousands. I, I don't know, maybe a million. I don't. I have no idea. It's hard to get your foot in the door to be able to buy one of those cars. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. But with NFTs, you could sell a portion of it. And so all of a sudden you're selling shares of a scarce asset. You know what I mean? Mm. 
And so I'm like thinking of it that way as well, where it makes all of these illiquid markets that historically have only been open to the super rich. Because again, going back to what you mentioned during inflationary times, art tends to do very well during that period as well. And so you have a situation where if you do think there's going to be inflation, you've got real estate. Now you've got access to collectibles. Maybe you own a piece of the Mona Lisa. I don't know. Yeah, oh, crazy. Yeah. Bill Gates. Yeah, and then you list it. And then you list it on the stock exchange. Why not? You know, like we list bloody silver. It's got no, like, you know. Yeah. What, you know, like you can IPO, IPO like the next, I don't know. IPO like yourself. Now. Can you IPO yourself? <laughs> Probably. I think, didn't somebody just actually sell their left arm or something like that? A tennis yeah, player. Right. It was like no. a tennis yeah, player. For $5,000. <laughs> a portion of the revenue that comes from her left arm. She's and a tennis player, right? Because, I mean, it's skin. It's graft, right? It will just grow back, won't it? Um, well, I think it's the revenue, though. Every game she plays, she's got to pay out a, a percentage, I think. I'm like, you know what? I, I could see someone like Logan Paul doing something similar to that, either mm. selling himself to the internet, if that makes it like through NFTs or through, yeah. I don't know, if, if he can physically IPO himself, you know, under some, every, I don't know, I could see someone like him going down that route because he's really adventurous. I could see Mr. Yeah. Beast do that actually more than or him. Mr. Beast, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever hear? Do you ever hear Warren Buffett's story about the classroom where you think about uh, all the kids in the class when you were in school? The smartest guy, like if you had a choice to go back, who would you put all your money on uh, in the class? Like if you had to bet on one person and bet on their future income, who would you bet on? And he was saying like most people would bet on the smartest guy in the room, but the reality is smartest people in the room never become the wealthiest because they become doctors, which are high paying, but yeah. they're not like an entrepreneur. So you have to be slightly dumb. You have to be stupid enough to think that you're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And so he was saying like, when you look in your classroom, you got to pick somebody out who's going to make the most amount of money. And I was thinking to myself, imagine like finding somebody that's really creative, smart, never built a business. And you're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to give this guy 50 grand as an NFT and see what he does with it. Who knows? You might end up with three companies that you own like 10% in it. And they're like worth millions of dollars. I don't know. I was like, that could be a, a pretty cool way for new aspiring entrepreneurs to raise money through NFTs. I don't know. So, it could be really cool where you're sort of tokenizing the future income of, of this person. I, well, I think there's so many different ways of, of going with it. That's what happened with Nikola Tesla. If you look at history, actually, um, you know, with, with alternating current in DC, uh, he pretty much in a sense was, was bought out. Um, and a lot, like just some of the inventions that he made, obviously changed the way we live. And if, if he had kept, I think that was the biggest investment, uh, mistake is he was supposed to get a royalty for the rest of, uh, basically rest of his life and his grandkids life and everyone else after that, if they would have lived. Uh, but it was a, a major royalty on alternating current. So anyone who you plugged into the grid with AC, which everyone uses now pretty much would have paid so much money. I mean, I'm talking probably hundreds of billions of dollars, but he ripped the thing up. Boy, Tom. He, he ripped that up. It's, it's insane, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you know, the whole thing during that time, Edison, you know, he kind of like, got him under his wings and, and saw that he was going to be doing, you know, great and yeah. kind of really kind of manipulated them. It's, it's crazy mm. to study history, but yeah, I could see that with NFTs. I could see maybe something like that happening. I honestly think that most like, like I honestly think that a lot of companies will be raising money through like ICOs and stuff like that in the future. It seems a lot easier to track ownership and stuff like that on the blockchain. And I haven't really researched it much, but I think IPOs are going to be dead. I think SPACs are just, I think they're silly, to be honest, yeah. at best. Uh, you can say whatever you want on a SPAC. I think some SPACs are really good. Don't get me wrong. E um, the e uh SPAC? 
I, I, I'm a big fan of the company. Like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but okay, I, I can't say too much on it. But uh, my view on the like, I, I use the platform. I, I've got a fair idea. Like the way I look at it is like, it's it's sort of like a hybrid of Shopify and YouTube. And and the way I look at it is, if you look at a popular investor. A popular investor is kind of selling a product and that's returns on investment. So I'll go to YouTube, build out an audience and I'll bring customers back and the transaction settled with eToro. So if you think of it in that aspect, all of a sudden the total addressable market's way bigger than Robinhood or Webull or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so you've got, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people in their program. That's a PR machine. There's not too many uh, companies in the world that uh, would have that, that type of opportunity. Yeah. If it ever comes to America, it's going to it's gonna be crazy. I, I could see like re cause there's a big thing, retail against suits, you know, like the everyday traders, they can somewhat team up and be their own hedge fund at that point in, in some ways. And really, so I, I, I could see in a bad way, like maybe more regulations coming in, like, especially if it came to the U S but it's not here yet. No, to be honest, from my experience, the retail investors that I know that have been in the market for 10 years plus mm -hmm. are way ahead than some of the professional investors. Mm -hmm. that have graduated from college, went into these funds, 90% of their time is market making. Only 10% of their time is actually analyzing and, and executing trades. Yeah. And so when I'm talking to them, I'm like, I feel like it's day and night versus, because here's the thing, an awful lot of the retail traders who have become successful, it's, it's almost like a downgrade to go and work for an investment bank. Like I, I can't imagine me ever doing it now. I've gotten to a point where the returns on my investment would way outshadow anything that somebody would be able to pay me. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, this idea of the suits, I don't think there's a competitive advantage. And here's another thing. I'm always talking about this platform ticker terminal. I'm genuinely considering reaching out to the to the CEO. He reached out to me and asked me to mess around this platform. That platform saves me like three to five hours a day. And my competitive advantage in the market is I just outwork everyone else. I'll, I'll, I'll look under more rocks than everyone else. Yeah. That platform levels the playing field. Like I, I'll be able to, if you know what you're looking for, that platform will save you hours every single day. And when all this type of technology comes out for retail, because essentially what that ticker terminal is, that's the same as Bloomberg terminal, but for retail mm -hmm. investors, yeah. th the playing field is completely leveled. I, I think the world is going to change. And you're Social really media honestly is faster than the Bloomberg terminal at some points because it somewhat acts in real time, like in some ways, you know what I mean? This yeah, it's, it, it's right? really yeah. awesome. And he doesn't pay me for any of this. It's just a really good product. And that's where I think it's... Uh, a game changer. Yeah. It's just a really, really, really good product. Everything is there. And this Perfect. is all from the S&P 500, I think. Um, but nice. yeah, the guy is working his butt off to create one of the best platforms I've ever used anyway. And I've used Bloomberg Terminal. So I think yeah. it's an app right now. Like it's not, it's still in beta. It's still in beta testing, but it's like a full blown product right now. These type of, these type of platforms, I think are going to, they're going to level the playing field yeah, this massively. This, this, yeah. this, this platform and Seeking Alpha are, are the both the best platforms, yeah. I think. You use Seeking Alpha to get an edge. Like a lot of my ideas come from like people on Twitter. Like I'll just see it. Like John Quake talks about Paladin valuation. I'm like, okay, that's that's somewhere I can go down. I go over to Ticker Terminal, and in an hour, I've got a good idea of where the financials and where the outlook is for a company like that. And then I'll go a bit deeper and I'll read the 10K filing, 10Q filing. And so like you find like you know a lead somewhere. Or you mm -hmm. do the hard work yourself. Um, you find a lead somewhere, and, and and then you head over to that platform. It saves you hours. It's yeah. such an incredible platform. And again, the guy the guy doesn't like he doesn't compensate me with anything. I just think it's a fantastic platform that everybody should be using.
What's I used to use Thinvis, but it's it's not as good. What's that? Is it charged yet? Does it cost something? No, it's a beta version. It's not even That's live. Right. Oh, wow. I asked him. I sent him a message. I was like, hey, listen, can my community use it? He gave me a link. It's a beta version. It's not yeah. even live yet. Yeah. It's still it's still in development, but it's to me, it's a finished product. He's going to yeah. build in a screener in there as well. And with all the information that he has, I think that the screener is going to be incredible. I really yeah, if you just that. go on Ticker, Ticker Terminal, or no, sorry, what's it called? T is it Ticker, Ticker Terminal? Ticker.com, but I don't think it's off. I think, I think you put your email, email in and they'll send you the link. Okay. Yeah. Does it yeah, send yeah. you a link? Yeah, yeah. So, so when I put an e my email in, they sent it me pretty much straight away. Oh, so perfect. Yeah, you just put an email in, uh, your email in, you'll you'll be able to have access to it pretty sharpish, awesome. I believe. Yeah, yeah, you can use it. Yeah, it's brilliant. And 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 what he said to me in the first email was, there's going to be a freemium version as well, probably like TradingView, where a lot of the platforms open, and then there might be upgraded services. I don't know what it's going to be, to be honest, but um. These type of platforms completely level the playing field. Everyone says like, oh, but they've got, you know, Bloomberg Terminal. Yeah, that doesn't really matter anymore. You know, it's 20 grand for Bloomberg Terminal. It's going to be cut heavily. Like, well, if you're long-term just... long investing anyway, I mean, just because someone on Bloom, Bloomberg Terminal gets something, you know, 10 seconds before you might, then... It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. the same thing like with Robinhood. Like everyone had a big fiasco about Robinhood. Like those like high-frequency traders, they, they might take a, you know, one basis point. They might front run you and you might pay one basis point more and everyone's like, oh, you know, they front run me. Yeah, but I'm looking to capture like 50 or 100% over the next one to two years. A basis point really, really doesn't matter. And so I look at it and I was like, it's free trade. Like, you know, it's, you know, yeah, obviously it, maybe there's disingenuous activity going on, but it has a, you know, you're not paying any commissions for it. And so, yeah, like what you said, focus on long term. And most of these like issues that people have, they don't really exist. They really don't. I, I just don't think it's worth wasting time on that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Would you, I mean, you're long term. I mean, there's yeah. you just got to wait it out, wait out the market and weed out because there's a lot of noise out there. And, and the only problem with social media and a lot of this stuff is you guys understand that like companies pay big money for bots to push out fake information to get people to buy or sell sometimes a stock. Back in the day when I first started trading 2006, was penny stocks were huge where they sent out newsletters, emails, and it, you know, I would get in a penny stock and you know, people would pump it and dump it like in from these emails. And like that really just wiping me out, you know, in the beginning, that really started to get me uh, you know, it started to teach me really in a, a tough lesson. But you really do gotta kind of like you gotta put in the time and research. I guarantee nine out of ten of the new traders haven't even read a full annual report of a stock that they're in. And I, I did a, a YouTube video to make a point. I read every NEO annual report all in one setting. It was like 12 hours, 10, 10 hours it took. And I didn't stop. But I was like, before their annual before their annual report came out, I was like, I'm going to read all these and just show you guys, like read it. And I came up, like there was stuff in there like that I probably would have never read, you know, in NEO. And I invested in it last year multiple times. But uh, it's it's crazy how many people won't put in the effort and time. I and mean, like you said, Robert, you don't even have to though. You, have you, don't, to. you don't even have to. You know what I do right now? I, I download. You know, <laughs> no, no, no. You can download you the too. PDF of the 10K filing. You open mm. it up in Adobe, and then you go auto read at 1.5. And I stand at yeah. my board with my marker, <laughs> and anytime I hear something interesting, I write it down. And at the end of it, I have all of this script, and it takes no time. You don't even have to read it. Like that's, that's how good. I like that. Like, you know, if someone else wants to read it out for me, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you don't even have to do it anymore. And uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think people are, you know, they just don't put the work in.
Yeah. Rob, what, what would you do with a, if you if you only had a thousand pound, right? Where would you be looking to invest, or how would you be looking for big? What would you be looking to do with that money? I want to hear that. Um, am I allowed to add to it consistently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uranium, baby. Yeah. Uranium. You know, like I've made three what I consider like fat bitches, right? So everyone because of my accent, people think I'm saying fat bitches. I'm saying That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I always look out for these opportunities where um, I've got an opportunity to make 10, 15 or 20 X my money, something like that. Uh, I always look out for those opportunities and I always look to add maybe five or 10% of my entire capital towards that. And that way I could probably double in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and outside of that, I, I just put it in the market with what I know I can do. If I can, if I can do 30% per year and add a hundred bucks every month, I know for sure I can discount where I'm going to be, you know, in 30 years. And I'll probably be a multimillionaire from a relatively low base. And that's sort of how I think about it, you know? And I think a lot of people are like, oh, I only have a thousand bucks. Let's just gamble it in here and let's buy Teladoc. Everyone's talking about it. So it mm. must go up. You know what I mean? And, and so my perspective is like, focus on, um, yeah, someone noticed that uh, in, in one of my videos, I said a fat pitch like, with a P. And uh, it was like a lot of people were like, geez, that's. That's very rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. A lot of comments, um, though, right? People, so I, people commenting. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. People, like, I, I, I kid you not, the way I pronounce Jew, like Jew 2, like D-U-E, I, I had one guy saying I'm an anti-Semite oh um, because I'm talking about the Jews. And I was like, come on. <laughs> like, you can't be serious. Mm. I have probably 100 people blocked from stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Um, from my accent, like, there's funny and then there's not funny. Like, you know, one guy yeah. saying like saying I'm an anti-Semite. I'm like, because of my accent. And he was dead serious. He was like, I know mm. what you're talking about. <laughs> oh <my laughs> the internet. It's great. <laughs> anyway, I would probably put like a thousand dollars. I'd be diversified probably across three positions. Hopefully there's no commissions. I'd add a hundred bucks per month. Once I got to 10,000, I'd diversify further eight positions, keep adding a hundred bucks per month. Um, if I had an opportunity, like go back and let's say there was a real estate deal and I had to take all the money out to put it into the real estate deal, I would do that. I a hundred percent would do it because I think that um, long-term it would pay off. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, th that's, that's my own personal view. Um, if Bitcoin, I don't think it'll ever come up again, but you might get something like, uh, you know, uranium and, and stuff like that, where it's a complete anomaly, where you can build out a basket. I've got four different uranium miners. And I think like Deep Yellow, although I got in really early, like Cameco is is, is up 150%. Deep Yellow is up 250, something like that. Fission uranium is probably one of my worst at 100. And then I have, uh, you know, Paladine up 500. I still think we're early in that trade. And so like, although I'm in it a while, those type of opportunities, I'd sit in them for a number of years um, and hope that they've delivered maybe five or 10 X. And and, I, and that's how I'd approach it until I got to bigger numbers. I Look, I consider myself very lucky. I don't think there's many people that would have the, the path that I had. It was just the right time, right, right place, right time. Sovereign debt crisis. I never would have probably like, if I, if I was starting today, I wouldn't have made, been able to make it in, in, um, right in real estate because I would have had to put it like for argument's sake, the, the deal that I just bought, I would need a hundred thousand down. You know what I mean? And so a lot of people starting out may not start off with a hundred thousand. That being said, you know, I started TPI. Like I didn't know, like a lot of people were asking me to, to do this group or whatever. So I started to do it. And I would say 
uh, I've done portfolio reviews. I would say that that group probably has about 300 to 350 million collectively. And there's probably about 700 people after looking through everyone's portfolio. I was quite surprised that a lot of people starting in markets have a considerable amount of money, which kind of concerns me a little bit because when you're starting out and you've got your entire life savings and you're still new to markets, it makes me a little bit nervous. You know, you're putting it all on the line without having the skills. Like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable being on YouTube prior to 2020, despite having 10 years of experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, people are, people do have a, a decent base. I was surprised. I was surprised to see. Well, p pension funds versus the S&P 500. Talk to me. Vanguard versus pension funds. What would you rather invest in? Well, my, my business partner, it, he was a former big tobacco executive. Uh, very good um, pay, very good pension. I think he's got a pension with one of the banks here in Spain. And I think he told me he delivered like 1% compounded or even 0% compounded <laughs> over the past 15 years. He's made no money. It's all gone to fees. So um, I, I have no experience with uh, these pension funds, but I, I think I'd prefer just on the S&P 500. Yeah. Sit in the S&P 500. Don't sell it. Don't sell it because you don't want a tax event and just keep reinvesting the dividend. Yeah. yeah. If you can try and get, that's what I say to everyone when I, when I speak to people, try, if you can get your 20 grand a year, this is UK money, 20 grand a year, uh, tax-free ISA, if you can get that into the market, then you are seriously laughing in 10 years' time, yeah. you're seriously laughing. Because when you come to sell that, you're not going to get any tax. When you come to take any money out, you're not going to get any tax. It's absolutely perfect. And I love what you said. If you were starting with one thousand pound, get or one thousand dollars, get that in the market, but keep adding to it. You need to find a way to make as much money as possible while you're still young. Work every hour, every single day, and put it in the market and compound it. Go live yeah. with your family, like your parents again. If depending on your age, like really, it doesn't matter your age. You go live with someone, sleep on their couch. I was in LA. I was homeless. Uh, it was it was somewhat by choice, but it was to put all that extra thousands and thousands of dollars a week. Uh, Let me tell you something that I was making, and <clears throat> you know, from my job, and then the military was paying me, so I was putting that back into the market. But I was homeless. But I mean, it it taught me a lot too. It taught me that I didn't need all these stupid things that you think you might need, you know. And it really, it really puts you in this like different mindset, you know. And yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people can ever get to that. Uh, but if you want to be like successful, if you want to have any extra capital, then you're going to have to do something that other people won't do, you know? And that was yeah. one thing that I think I, I, yeah. I definitely loved, you know, doing, but it was tough. It was still tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well, we kind of done the same. Like when my, like one month before my daughter, my daughter's five now and one month before she was bo born, mm -hmm. it was like, we were living in a piece of shit. Like you have no idea. Like I've got some funny stories about this place. The shower was like a little bit bigger than my laptop. Right. Oh wow. <laughs> we had a curtain around it and there was about two and a half minutes of warm water. And I had like a really strong investment account and we were living in this piece of shit. And we were like, look, mm -hmm. We're young. We've no kids. We're just going to keep going after it, and that's what we were doing. And it was it, it was just it, it was it was brutal. It was really brutal. Anyway, we ended up getting termites, and we found termites in one of the uh, presses. And we're like, all right, this really is a piece of shit. We need to move on. We're about to have a kid. Moved in with my my uh, my girlfriend, my wife's uh, dad for girlfriend. Was what? supposed to be. Uh -oh. she, what's that? At the time, she was my girlfriend. Uh -oh. So um, uh, we. Um, we moved in there for two weeks. We stayed there for two years. Yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like um, Connor did the same thing. He was living with his mom. Remember when he was a plumber? You seen the that? Best investment yeah, yeah. advice most yeah. people need. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like 
you know, you just got like, I think everyone gets sort of enamored by the flashy cars, the flashy yeah. lifestyle. I can tell you something. There's nothing flashy about the journey I've had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. I mean, I left the country just to save some money. Uh, I'm in a great position now, 10 years later. But uh, well, not 10 years later, probably I'm, I'm here six, seven years, something like that. But I'm in a great position now. I wasn't always in a great position. Yeah. You know? So but, right uh, now, what would you do with the thousand? Someone asked right this second, you would do, you would put it into the market. That's your answer. I don't know. Some guy, I would go Johnson. out of the money, out of the money, weekly calls on the S&P 500. I wouldn't. I would do, I would do Peninsula Energy. It's a uranium company, zero debt, bringing in what cash company? flow. Eight to nine million next year, six million. Peninsula, you said. Peninsula Energy. Listen, yeah. There's actually a really interesting company that I'm analyzing at the moment. It's a company called Neurocrine Biosciences. Um, this company has a single product, and it's generating as much. As, well, their forecasts generate one and a half billion dollars off this by 2022, mm -hmm. and it could be multifaceted. But they also have a fantastic pipeline of of growth. And since 2018. This company has gone sideways. The valuation is just reset. Mm. And I'm looking at this, and uh, I think there could be several hundred percent on the upside in a company like that. So okay. I'm not finished analyzing it yet. I've spent a week sort of reading about it, because when you look at these biotech and pharmaceutical companies, uh, there's a lot really that you have to... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot that you have to sort of uh, learn about it, because like, I'm not a bioscientist or anything like that. So yeah, um, with, with companies like... And stuff, like, that's when those biotech stocks, like I said before, I've... I've seen some drop 90% in a day. Yeah. 80, well, the difference, you know? I don't like investing in those companies. Like I invested in GW pharmaceuticals after they got all their, um, their mm. um, approvals from the FDA and they were already generating fantastic cash flow and they were growing top line revenue at 60%. That's when I like to get involved in these companies. Mm. Uh, this company is, is similar to that. And I think there could easily be two to 300% on the upside if I'm right. You know what I mean? And That's really like that could be an interesting one. We What's want that? something like uranium, like like Paladin. It did a hundred thousand for years. No, that's you that's what you need. The problem for me is Paladin's what? gone from four cents up to forty cents, and I'm like, it's already gone ten x. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I need to find one at the lows. That's maybe a flaw in the way it's I approach low, things. I'm telling you, yeah, that is too low. <laughs> you do know, Rob? Yeah, the, I, I, the I, I know, I know. CFO? I'm still holding it. Paladin CFO is at Peninsula. The one that ran the hundred thousand percent gain, he came to Peninsula with Wayne Healy, who's the CEO and the Iranian producer of America, former president. So he's actually with Peninsula Energy now because their new insert recovery, low pH mine. They're going to be the first one in the U.S. to come online, and they're going to be the Paladin 2.0. I'm telling you, Paladin you 2.0. Yeah. Go, go look at Paladin. Go do the research, and then go look and see what uh, what Ron did back then. And you'll you'll kind of see that they're doing the same thing with Peninsula, so it's, it's very undervalued. Like no debt, it's not going to go bankrupt. It's not like a yeah. lot of these miners that are going to have to dilute shares, you know, in the coming yeah. years if, if uranium doesn't go up. But it's, I it's invested in a company value. last year um, called Transocean, and these are like a deep sea driller. And this is a company that was the equity value was like uh, six hundred and fifty million dollars, and I think the enterprise value was something like four billion. And they had 18 billion in assets priced at $30 per barrel. And uh, they had cash for 15 months. And I bought into it at like a dollar and 22 cents. And it initially went up to like $4. And then this idiot over at Bernstein comes out and says, you know, we believe that uh, Transocean should go bankrupt. They don't need to go bankrupt, but we think they should go bankrupt. Yeah, I, I'm furious. I, obviously, I held on to the shares. And I'm like, the management are clearly not going to make that decision. Like, the, like it was just a 
clear, complete cash grab. Anyway, that's a company that I like. If I could find something like that with those type of uh, yeah. like unit economics, I I put a hundred percent of it into An that. Peninsula, go look at them. And by the yeah, way, they're listed. It's an all it's an Australian company. Uh, they just got the listing on the OTCQB, so they're one up from the New York Stock Exchange. But the uh, the CEO was former CEO of uh, UR Energy as well, who brought right. up those mines. But they've got a way bigger upside. I'm telling you, the the cash flow they're bringing in with with no debt, and the fact that they're going to be the only U.S. producer, and there's like billions of dollars being pumped into this sector. You guys, like it's it's insane because mm -hmm. there's two trillion dollars that. President Biden's like looking to restructure, rebuild America. I mean, two trillion dollars. The so, only problem I have with that infrastructure bill, though, is like when when Trump came in, it, there was a lot of enthusiasm around infrastructure mm -hmm. as well, and it never got passed. And and before that, I think Obama had an infrastructure bill, and that never got passed. I need to but, see this bloody pass before I start really committing. Yeah, mm -hmm. the thing is, the thing is, um, with Biden, they have you know complete control pretty much now. Uh, especially with COVID, a lot a lot of things have, have changed so much. I mean, they're able to pass bills a lot faster, uh, but they have control of, like the house. Like they're they're it's it's gonna get through regardless. I think someone actually posted uh, something about this on Twitter earlier. I, I retweeted, um, but yeah, Biden uh, he he's all about rebuilding America's infrastructure, and we like our power grid and our our uranium production is pretty much at 0%. Yet we're the world leaders in using uranium. We have 94 nuclear reactors. So the fact that the Peninsula Energy is is close and it's like six months startup time to get this mine running back and then low startup costs less than around $6 million and they already have the cash pretty much for that. It's like, it's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. So that upside, I see, you said two, 300%. I see Peninsula easily doing a, a, a 10X when especially yeah. when uranium starts to pick up and they can bring you know these low people our minds yeah. on so i have a question for you lewis go on how, how big is your portfolio in terms of positions number of positions uh, excluding or including including or excluding like, uranium so my uranium portfolio is, is around 10 right i think it's about 10, 10 and my other portfolio is, is around 20 23 or four stocks but it's heavily weighted between five different stocks. And I mean, I heavy talking 70, 60, 70% of my oh, wow. 60, 70% is across five different stocks, probably. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Your biggest one, uh, being Carnival, Disney, right? Disney, Disney, uh, Carnival, uh, Royal Caribbean, Boeing, uh, uh Walgreens. Mm. So, yeah couple of big ones i mean no, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to know because as my portfolio got bigger and bigger and bigger I, I kept adding more and more diversification i think i'm at the limits of 35 positions i don't think i could do more than that and, and like I, I i'm doing this like morning noon and night you know mm -hmm. what i mean trying to keep up on it I, I just wanted to know where you were at because i'm at 32 but but 32 in my opinion it's too it's too much yeah but you're it's very concentrated too though 75%. Yeah, I'm quite concentrated across those ones because they were they were guaranteed mm -hmm. uh, they were guaranteed money. They were the stupid valuations of last year. As I said, you don't need to be a mm -hmm. you don't need to be a flipping magician to make money last year. Anyone yeah. Could, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the You know, last year I was like I you know, uh of all years to to really knock it out of the park last year. Well, I wouldn't do anything different anyway. I held 70% in cash. And the reason being That's is I am now still by the way. Seven, I'm 70. 70 yeah. yeah. 
you know, the reason why I done it was like you have this big massive uh, crash, you have the market or you have the economy completely shut down and the velocity of money goes to zero. And so the idea was the fiscal stimulus would offset that. And I'm like, okay, they just pumped $9 trillion in by May, but how much do they need to offset the velocity of money? And I didn't know. I had no answers. Obviously, in hindsight, I'm kicking myself uh, yeah. because there's so, many, there's so many companies that I, you know, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I went all is. in then. And I, Lewis obviously pretty much did too, other than like the taxes money that, you know, you, you're obviously going to have to pay. But like that, that's what's great is like that me and Lewis and I were talking at the, like literally the bottom, I think it was March 20th uh, when the US stock market just bottomed, crashed, everything just started, you know, going downhill. And, you know, you were seeing just crazy, just it's, it's crazy the prices you were seeing, you know, Disney dropping as much as it did. And, in Boeing at like 98. I was like, invest in Boeing. I was like, yeah. How can you not buy Boeing? I was at 98. Like, yeah. my, my cat bought Boeing at 98. Swear to God, I got I got the I got the proof. I got the receipts. She she made 10 grand on Boeing. She traded like 200, 300 thousand dollars worth, but it was a day trade because I was still day trading at the time. But she walked across the hotkeys and literally bought it. And I was like, oh my God. But it was, <laughs> thankfully it was a day that Boeing, I think it just, you know, just started running like crazy. I think it was like April, maybe it was May. You want to know a crazy story? You want to know a really crazy story? Mm. So I opened, when I was using a lot of leverage, um, I was going out one day for lunch and I bought some crude oil and I thought I bought, like I was using a lot of leverage last time, I thought I bought 300 grand worth of crude oil and I bought 3 million. I came (laughs) back and the position's up like... Was it April 20th? I was looking at the position, I'm like, Looking at the price of crude oil, crude oil was up. I can't remember, it was up a couple of percent, something like that. Now, this is back in like 2015 mm. or something like that. I'm mm. looking at the, I'm up like 50 grand. I'm like looking at the price of crude oil, it's up a couple of percent. Couldn't put two and two together because I was buying contracts and mm. I didn't fully understand how it worked. Like you're buying like, I think it's each contract is like um, 100 barrels or something like that. I can't remember. I stopped using it right away, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm like breaking down the numbers. No cat situation. I I, I done it. I went for lunch. Oh, you back down fifty grand. You're like <laughs> trying to yeah. put two and two together. You're like, wait a second. There's two percent move here. Yeah, uh, it was pretty wild. Uh, I I didn't have a cat story. I had a, a sort of rainfire. <laughs> yeah, I just hybrid. That one worked yeah, out in my favor. Just, uh, it scared the daylights out of me. Oh god. Yeah. What What would you, if you guys right could hold one position for the next ten years? What would it be? Starting with you, Rob. For one the next position. 10 years? For 10 years, yeah. One position for 10 years. I'd probably go with Nokia. I know a lot of people will laugh at me this year, but in two oh, years' time... Well, I'm invested in Nokia. Lewis and I actually bought, I think, right after... I bought because of Rob. I yeah, only bought... It was like right after... It was like, <laughs> you know what's funny, Rob? Is it went up like 95% the day we bought it. Lewis and I were live. We're like, holy... Sh- you know, it went up ninety five yeah. yeah. percent because of the Reddit fiasco. That was yeah, yeah, and I, it kind of bugs the crap out of me because I think that's yeah. why it's kind of suppressed at the moment because it goes up like massively and then it comes right mm-hmm. back down. Everyone's afraid to get into it. They're like, it's still going to crash. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that that happened because it was performing quite well. I bought it in December. It was up like 15, 20% or something into uh, end of January. I'm like, oh, this is great. What fantastic timing. And then yeah. <laughs> comes all the way back down, takes its time. But when I look at Nokia and, and on the later, the latest investors uh, conference, they're like saying, look, this 5G trend is going to last into 2028. 
and they're right. perfectly positioned. I'm like, all right, it's a value play right now. Next year it'll transition into uh, more of a growth play and we'll expect maybe 10% top line growth. And then 2023, 2024, 2025, they start catching up. And and I could see them growing top line revenue consistently thereafter. And I think one of the biggest problems is in is in Asia, but I, they, they're actually anticipating that they'll see Asia grow. So mm. if I'm thinking longer term, I, I think that Nokia, like that's something that you could probably, I could discount. I don't like... Like I don't like saying I'm going to hold a company for longer than like two years because that's about as far that I can discount. You know what I mean? So I might yeah. hold it longer. Like I've held Uranium for the last three years. I'll probably hold it for another four years. But I don't have enough information and in, like to say yeah, I'm going to hold it for ten years. So I don't like giving those type of um, those type of calls because the data all, all, often changes. You know? Yeah. For uh, the better or for the worse in a lot of yeah. cases. Derek, yeah. You know this is a tough one because. Um, Derek doesn't hold any other stock, by the way, guys, other than uranium. He yeah, only holds uranium. I do, I do. And I do actually own Nokia, uh, as you know. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, uh, one of the things is with the uranium market, there's such a big upside, but there, this is it's a cyclical market. So whenever the price on uranium goes up, we're going to see massive gains in every uranium stock. We're talking 10, 20, 50, 100x. A lot the last of these are four years though. So if you have to hold it for 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. So my bet, oh, good point. I, good point, Rob. That's the thing. Could you know, the super market hit? Be over I'm going to say, I'm still going to go with peninsula and, and this is my reasons why I'll give, I'll give you like three reasons. So one, I see uranium getting up because by 2027, 2028, China is like looking to double their electric output. Tesla, they're going to be so many cars, electric cars on the road. You're going to need a lot of electricity. So there's going to be a lot of new electric, you know, power plants, uh, or sorry, nuclear power plants. And you're going to need a lot more uranium. So uh, it's a big Eastern play. It's, you don't even really need the West. It's really the East, you know, all the 54 reactors coming online in China. And they're just upping everything. So you got that. Number two, I think that we're going to start using nuclear power in space a lot more than we already do, which we do for nuclear thermal propulsion, NTPs. We've been doing this since like the 50s. Uh, I think they're going to start to catch up when they really try to get to Mars and then find out, yeah, we need to get there a lot faster. It's dangerous. So they can get there and double the speed with an NTP. And also solar in space, there's a lot of dust, a lot of things go wrong with the nuclear reactor with this new Halu safe fuel, which by that time will be online. The astronauts can be right near the reactors pretty much and utilize the power, the heat. So I'm betting on space, nuclear power in space. And then the fact that pretty much, like I said, the whole world is going to be needing so much electricity. I think the uranium price is going to go to all-time highs, over $200. So I would like to be in a uranium producer, which Peninsula will still be producing by that time. They're, the one mine that they have now will still be being able to produce uranium at that time. So I think, I think I'm think i going to go with Peninsula, especially because of the valuations at, at what it's at right now. Uh, and we're going to see. We're going to see in the next you know few years where it gets, but I really do think that uh, it's going to be the Paladin 2.0. But yeah, I'm not as risky as you boys. I, for me, it's... Even, it's either Facebook, it's even not Facebook that Amazon or Disney. Enterprise value the EBITDA. They're cheap. Uh, yeah. cash. Two billion euros. Well, not two billion. It's actually a billion euros, but it's still yeah. a lot. 1.3. Anyway, go on. Let me hear. Either, it's, as I said, I'm not as... Uh, it's, either for, it's either for me, either Facebook, Disney or Amazon. Mm. Mm. Uh, 
to be honest, Facebook. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of agree. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Facebook. Because Facebook. I, I, I 100% agree. And, and, and I'm I, like, I really like Facebook. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that company because Zuckerberg mm. sucks at communicating. The guy can't even talk yeah. to himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, he needs to practice in the mirror. Um, <laughs> if he could communicate better, that stock would be performing a lot better. From sure. my understanding, from an awful lot of these inquests with Capitol Hill and whatever, um, essentially WhatsApp's going to transition into a e-commerce powerhouse because they're going to be settling, mm. like transferring money and, and paying bills and all that type of stuff through uh, WhatsApp. Um, they already have the audience. And, and here's the thing. A lot of people saying, you know, they're going to cancel WhatsApp and stuff like that. There was a study out recently that 98% of all mobile phones that were bought in Brazil downloaded WhatsApp. And so it's deeply ingrained in a lot of emerging markets. And so when you consider that the cost of transferring money on WhatsApp is probably low, and that was the idea, I think, of Libra or whatever it was, but they'll roll that out again. So I think that that's really interesting. And then if you think like Oculus could be a massive play, Oculus mm. already doing a couple of billion in revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really like it. I, I don't see it as like um, a social media platform. Like going back to what we said at the very beginning, Lewis, like regarding the audience, having this audience to roll yeah. out a, a, a product is just golden. And, and it's like what Dropbox are doing. Acquiring T Doc, um, not T was a Doc Send, acquiring Doc Send, Hello Sign, that type of stuff. Um, acquiring those businesses and then introducing it to their audience. I mean, it's it's a no brainer. They just bought Doc Send for what a hundred and I can't even, can't even remember one hundred and sixty million something like that. Two hundred thirty yeah. million for Hello Sign. Really, really small businesses. But what they're doing is they're converting it into like twenty one languages and then pushing worldwide. They're going to be multi billion dollar businesses in like two years. Facebook have two point eight billion users. I mean, whatever product that they decide to bring in the future already has an audience. And if it brings utility, I think that's a, probably a great one. Yeah, it's probably, and I don't think it's that low. Well, it, it probably is low risk, but I bet you it performs really well. Oh, well, I think one thing you gentlemen forgot with the new Biden stuff, there's going to be a lot more corporate tax going on. And these companies that have been hiding for decades are going to start to have to pay up. And it might mean. A lot of things change. Good job, Facebook have got money. They got a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. They're doing a lot of money, but they're going to be paying a lot of money, right? I don't know yeah. if the taxes are going to be rolled out, and I don't know if the infrastructure will either. I, I could be wrong on that. I'll tell you why I don't think the taxes are, because I think the stock market will crash in 30% of capital gains or 30% of tax receipts for the US government is capital gains tax. And so if you t if you crash all this is this this is why US markets are screwed and why the uh, central bank keeps stepping in because mm -hmm. if asset prices roll over you have balance of payment issue at the world reserve currency. And so if you cut tax or if you increase taxes for uh, for um, corporations uh, you're diminishing their earnings and then you have a reset in valuation share price has to fall. So if that falls, no one pays capital gains tax, and then the government have a balance of payment issue. Unless they continue to deficit spend, and that's not good, then you end up with hyper, like higher inflation. So but I don't the know. Is, these companies have cash. We're talking ninety-one companies. We're talking Amazon. We're talking, you know, we're talking Apple. We're talking companies that have, you know, hundreds of billions, if not. Yeah, the problem is the repatriation tax. The problem is the repatriation tax. So there's like double jeopardy for U.S. corporations because. You pay tax, you pay corporate gains tax or capital or corporate corporate taxes in the U.S. And then everything you make outside of the U.S. There's a repatriation tax. And if you get rid of the repatriation tax, it kind of levels the playing field. So Apple are keeping money offshore and borrowing money in the Is U.S. It, aren't they in Ireland, by the way? Yeah, they That's, are. They pay like zero percent. That's crazy. Zero yeah, percent. They've, they've invested billions of dollars. So the yeah. Irish people, 
who are not going to actually look into it very, very much, mm-hmm. haven't got a clue um, how much money, like the average salary is like 120,000 euro yeah. for Apple. Yeah. And they spend 5 billion on infrastructure in Ireland. So like, you know, you increase their taxes and they're going to go to what, Estonia for 7%. They go to the UK mm-hmm. where like, George, I don't know where they are right now, but there used to be a politician in the UK. What's his name? George Hammond? George... Mm-hmm. What was his name? I'm not sure what his name is. Anyway, he wanted to cut taxes, uh, corporate taxes in the UK down to 15%. Another country will just cut taxes. And the IMF just came out today and said that they advise governments worldwide to keep corporation corporate taxes lower. So I don't I don't know if taxes are going to increase. I, I'm you know, I'm a little bit yeah. skeptical of that. Usually what everybody right? Like if like if I'm I'm not wanting to heavily invest in something like that that I could foresee the government at least saying that they're going to do this like Biden is saying yeah we're going to do this and it's going to happen and I mean uh, it's it's pretty powerful statement to say right and it's if you're going to kind of go in there and expect interest rates to be low forever you're it's not going to happen like it, it can't be you can't do that forever you can't keep printing money. You're going to have hyperinflation. Just look at history, hundred, almost hundred years yeah. ago to the time, like Germany, same thing. They were the leaders in everything. Their, their economy, you know, after the great war, uh, you know, world war one, like who would have thought, right. That, that Germany would have collapsed like that. So it's, uh, honestly, I, I want to look to, to the past to kind of see where things yeah. can actually go to just because things are the way they are today. Doesn't mean like in 2000 or sorry, 1920 and 1921, Germany had great stock, like their stock market, their economy was doing great. And that's right after that hyperinflation starts. So yeah, you, know, you, you kind of got to just still be wary if the government's saying these things, like who would have thought 2020, this would have happened. Like you were saying earlier, you never know. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Democrats have always wanted to raise taxes. You know, remember Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton was going to do it. She was very much speaking to constraints when she was, she was like, <laughs> we're going to raise taxes. Um, well, Obama I don't know. Is actually you know, higher. Obama, ha- the taxes were way higher than Trump came in, way lower. And now Biden actually is just going to bring them up probably three quarters of the way where it was with Obama. So it's actually not going to go back to that level. Here's, here, here's the problem that I have with raising taxes in the US. Right. So the previous corporation tax was 35% and they brought it down to 21%, which is in and around like the average worldwide and around Europe anyway. Certainly I know Ireland's 12 and a half. I know UK, I think is 19 or something like that, but it's in and around average for the world, 21%. And in the US, in order to sort of there's a lot of issues with supply chain. So they have to bring their supply chain back. And and in other words, they have to become an exporter. So their currency can't be too high, first and foremost. And secondly, um, their tax rate has to be favorable because you have to, like each corporate, in order to produce low cost goods, you need a low currency and you need a reasonable return on on, on invested capital. And so, yeah, I I don't know. There's a lot of challenges to that. I'm not not saying I know everything, but usually when people say to me, you know, like, I think that this is ab- absolutely going to happen. I, I'm a little bit skeptical, you know, and, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I really well, could be wrong. The numbers, like the national debt went up 25% in literally the last like few months. So it's like, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars being printed, uh, mm. you know, and the, so that you can't like ignore those numbers. Like how can you print well, that? You know what they could do? You know what they could do though? They could refinance. They could, they you could know, like, off. Like if you have a person that's addicted to say cocaine and you know, or meth, like, yeah, you can do keep doing this with them, but eventually things, yeah. it's not going to continue to work. Right. You well, know, no, there needs to be a plan. 
Hundred yeah. percent. It needs to be a plan. But what they could do is right now, like long term debt is is twenty and thirty year duration in the U.S. What they could do is they could introduce a fifty year bond, and they could literally refinance all of their twenty and thirty year debt into fifty year notes, and it amortizes over fifty years, bringing their monthly cost lower. In that circumstance, they might be able to raise taxes because their um, debt repayments mm -hmm. would be a lot lower. And so if capital gains tax, it would offset capital gains tax to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they'll do it. Janet Yellen, Janet Yellen was talking about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll do it, but that I, I think that that would work. I do. I, I think yeah. that that would offset. The problem is the balance of payment issue. You should run for I, Federal Reserve. I, you know, I you no way. No. <laughs> That's a tough job, right? <laughs> I don't know why anybody would want the job like that. I mean, like, I don't know why anybody would want to be president of, of a country. Yeah. You know, the president of Spain here makes 87,000 a year. Oof. Wow. You know what the local mayor in the town where I live is makes 66 grand a year. Jeez. Pretty close to the president. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not, I, I, you know, I, I'd be in favor of paying the president like 15 million and attracting Steve Jobs or someone like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I just don't think one person can run a country. I just don't think it's fair. It's tough. Yeah, well, the idea would be that there's a parliament and there would be a vote and the, the majority would go through. But like I, the pres like in Spain anyway, in the last year, I mean, right now it's better. But last year, I mean, there was when you go into a state of emergency, mm. all the decisions go through the president. And I think that that's yeah. likely in most countries. Right. So, yeah, I don't think that that's fair. I think that that could be dangerous yeah. because when you're in like power for like four years, you know, it can be a power grab. And I think you see it in the United States. Like, I don't know the intricate details of what was happening in the U.S. Um, between Biden and, and Trump. Obviously, there's a bit of skepticism there. I, I have no idea. But uh, you can see that there's definitely somebody is, you know, going for a power grab there. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what's going on. But when you give somebody that type of power in a state of emergency, I mean, it's it can it can end pretty dangerous. How did we end up going from talking about stocks to talking about politics? Like I hate talking about politics. Yeah. I mean, well, technically, loves it. politics oh. is a big part of stocks. They're starting to really get yeah. involved, not only with taxes but also I agree with regulations fiscal, yeah. and hedge funds and in trading. So it, it is a big, big part of it. The problem I have with politics is what works for me doesn't work for everybody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I, I might say like, hey, listen, you know, most of my income comes from. Um, investing in the market. So of course, I don't want lower capital. Like I, I'm kind of biased. You know what I mean? If I'm yeah. honest with myself, I'm kind of biased. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I could also see a logical reason to for taxes. But anyway, my, my you, view on the market. You pay more taxes or the corporations, the 90 or so corporations that pay nothing pay it. Would you rather pay more taxes yourself? I pay a lot of taxes here. My, my tax rate is like 37.5%. <laughs> I pay a lot of tax. Like it's quite high. Is, is that income tax? Yeah. Thirty-seven. Yeah. And you're looking at increasing it higher. Like I, you know, I, I pay more than corporate corporations. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's a little more. <laughs> do you? Is yeah. that, do you? What do you pay on dividend dividend tax? Um. Well, to be honest, I pay twenty three percent for investments. Uh. So the capital gains tax here is twenty three percent. Right. And I don't know what I pay on dividends. I send everything over to my accountant. Oh, well, okay. I, say, I don't know if that's income yeah. or not. I just know that my effective tax rate is 37.39.7%. 30, uh, and then for for investments, it's 23%. Well, I'm assuming, yeah, dividend tax is probably going to be similar than in, in the first. I don't know if it's income tax, actually. I've got to check that out. I don't make much that dividends. Well, mm -hmm. do you reinvest your dividends after tax? Uh, no, I, not into the same asset. No, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm. 
I got that option, yeah. I just keep mine in cash and then I'll just reinvest it into yeah. whatever asset I feel at that time yeah. is is undervalued, let's say to sometimes you might have sometimes you might be in a situation where it's ran a lot, you're getting dividend yields and you're like, Okay, the valuation yeah. is rich, I don't want to invest it here. Yeah. Um, and I roll it somewhere else. Yeah. That's usually what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. Right, guys. It's been a, an hour and fifty four yeah. minutes. Let's let, let's Ooh. wrap it up because we could sit here yeah. all night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Robert Reynolds, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, hey, real quick. Uh, remember, Lewis, we got to ask uh, people coming on top five picks coming up. Get give out some top five picks, stock picks. Rob, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so what, what time frame? Uh, just just in this year. How about that's what companies kind of what that I like. Doing. My favorite companies. Okay, my favorite. I say yeah, top five this year. What do you like? Okay, I'm gonna bug the Tesla uh, fanboys, and I'm gonna say Volkswagen number oh, one. Oh, okay. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, obviously, I'm gonna beat on Dropbox Bears, and I'm gonna say Dropbox as well. Um, we'll we'll beat on Nokia Bears as well. well. We'll throw Nokia in there. So we've got Nokia, Volkswagen, Dropbox. I'll say Regeneron. I really like Regeneron, okay. and I'll probably say. I like all the companies I'm in, you know, like, of course, you yeah. know, last position, it's like, you know, overstock, if I'm going to hold it longer term, I like that longer term in the next 12 months. I mean, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll throw overstock in there. Okay. Overstock. So is that four, five? That's five, right? Is that five? So Volkswagen, yeah, Volkswagen, yeah, Nokia, Fox, Regeneron. What is overstock? I saw that in the portfolio. What is it? Overstock like is a, it's a much. Furniture business, but they own a, they own a, a Medici Ventures. And Medici Ventures owns T Zero, which is a platform. It's kind of like an NFT play as well. Okay. They're they're also trading uh, digital assets, like liquid digital assets, but also illiquid assets. They'll be able to. Uh, uh, com. You're not talking about OSTK, right? Uh. So yeah, yeah. OSTK is the ticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it so is. So I think that they're. When I bought it, I felt like their online furniture business was fair value, and you got T Zero for free. And I think T Zero could be. They just got their Finra license. They just got somebody to execute trades clearing uh house i think it's about to ramp up and they've done a deal with um oh, i can't remember the name pelion ventures pelion ventures are going to manage it and they've got a fantastic mm. track record they've invested in like red hat and stuff like that and turned it into a multi-billion dollar company Re massive returns on these so they're taking over for seven years and so overstocks a well liquid it's a really liquid business and then you get pretty much t0 for free sweet and and so that's that's what I like about it. So I think that T zero could be worth like 10, 15, 20 billion, but I'm paying like two, three billion for, for it now. So Rob, okay. are we racing to a billion? Is that what I heard earlier? Are we racing? Hey, you have a head start on me, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> Lewis might get to a billion with his uranium stocks in the next couple of years, guys. So let's hope. You uh, got so I'm going to make Derek, if, if my uranium I'm stocks, donations, if anybody wants to help <laughs> catch up on Lewis, I'm accepting donations. <laughs> if my uranium stock gets to a billion, Derek is going to be a very rich man because he will be hugely compensated. I didn't know anything about uranium until, until Derek started talking the, to me about the it. First week, Lewis was pretty much in the uranium stocks, they had already ran two million profit. But they've since kind of, you know, we're, we're, at, we're in 12. There's 12 different ones. But Eric's already ordered his Rolls Royce 2025. <laughs> no, I'm putting it back in the market. I'm I'm going no for way. 100 million in the next 10 years. Maybe I, I want to get the billionaire status, three commas. But uh, it's going to take time. And I, I love it. And to me, time is more valuable than money. So, yeah, yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, guys. Yeah. It's been great. Anyway.
Cool. All yeah, right, thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah. we might do it again sometime. Cool. Bye-bye. Awesome, cool. guys.